Okay, uh, we're going to call the uh, regular town council meeting of March 28th to order at 5 p.m. And um, you have the agenda in front of you. Are there any uh, changes to the agenda? Uh, there's no additions or deletions, but we do have one item uh, that will be 8.5 that will be moving up to 8.1 and everything else will just move down one corresponding. And that is the request for decision on MDC appointments. Okay. Um, would someone care to move the uh, uh, approval of the agenda? Mr. Good, thank you. All those in favor? Aye. Anybody opposed? Great, it's carried. Okay, you also have the minutes of the March 14th regular council meeting in front of you. Any uh, edits on those minutes? If not, would someone care to move the approval of those minutes? Mr. Ford, uh, all those in favor? Aye. Great, it is carried, thank you. Okay, next item on our agenda. Right here. Um, do we have any public hearings? We have none, Your Worship. Any presentations? There are none, Your Worship. Okay, we're at part six bylaws a request for decision on the ACPO Gas and Pipelines Limited Franchise Agreement bylaw. Mr. McQuaid. Thank you, Worship and Council. So before you tonight, uh, we have the ACO Gas and Pipelines Franchise Agreement. Uh, we talked about this uh, some time ago. Uh, the original uh, franchise agreement expired in September 2021. Can the agreement lease be either renewed or terminated? So uh, ACO have been uh, providing uh, us services uh, in this region since 1958 and have, and agreement and bylaw have been renewed several times since then. Uh, the new linear agreement uh, also includes provision for the town to assess property taxes on ACO's property and linear assets. So uh, one of the things that uh, administration considered was uh, not only reviewing the, uh, the rates uh, for uh, the franchise agreement itself that shows up on the customer's bill, but also the ability to uh, look at assessing property taxes uh, for ICO's properties and land. So bylaw is required to enter into the agreement and therefore uh, bylaw 2111 has been prepared to reflect this. Uh, please note that some minor administration, minor administrative details of the agreement have not yet been updated into this initial draft, including the, the starting date of the agreement. Uh, once we've got that uh, more aligned, we will get that information and ratify that between ourselves and ACO. Uh, so what we're looking for tonight is uh, going into the first reading of the bylaw. So following first reading and actually advertising trade will take place to solicit public comment on the proposed bylaw and agreement. Once this is complete, ACO will prepare the required submission to the EUC, and once the EUC, EUC, which is the Energy Utilities Commission, has approved the agreement, ACO will prepare the agreement for 
for execution and then the final version of the deal that formed part of the bylaw was presented for second period meeting. So within here we've got the uh, one of the things we call to attention is just a summary agreement includes the franchise fees and taxation, uh, the services provided by ACO, exclusive right for ACO to install, pipe and install right of ways and roadways for the purpose of delivering gas to its customers. Um, this dollar admits not to grant similar rights to another company for the, the term of the agreement. ACO agrees to bear full responsibility for of the distribution system to ensure all services for in the municipality are in accordance with ACO's regular tariff. Outside, outlines the municipality's right uh, subject to the AUC approval to require ACO's distribution system upon expiry of the term or termination of the agreement. So if we were to terminate uh, the agreement today, then uh, there exists that uh, ability to acquire the distribution system and to run the system ourselves or find another provider to run that. And then just to add to that, if we were to do that, that would cost uh, the municipality approximately $28 million just to purchase all the assets. And that doesn't include then all the individuals we'd have to hire to actually run it. So currently the town receives a franchise fee of 29% of ACO's distribution revenues, including the commodity costs of the gas. The rate can be uh, adjusted up to 35%. This is a provision uh, under the agreement and the AUC. And the rate allocated within the 2022 operating budget is 32%. And it represents about 996K in revenue to the town. And will be the only city's revenue if at the increased rate for six months in 2022. So within, when we get to the operating budget, we're only reflecting that. And, uh, through the months of July to December. Uh, the time anticipated it'll take to get this bylaw finalized and passed. So the first six months of 2022 will be at the existing 29%. The expired agreement remains in effect until the agreement is either terminated or renewed. Uh, so before you, you know, uh, couple options. So you can provide first reading to the attached bylaw, provide a new ACO gas franchise agreement with a 10-year term at a franchise fee of 32%, not including property taxes. Or option two, the, the uh, existing agreement is retained for the time being and the administration is directed to bring additional options to council in a future meeting. And take any questions. Can you um, speak to the um, implications, if any, of the uh, property tax on the ACO's property? So the implications there that ACO more than likely would probably roll that into a, a pass on cost to the consumer. So that would probably show up here. And this is recommending that the property taxes be that we that we assess the property tax on ACO's property. Okay. Thanks. Uh, Councillors questions? Comments? So we're being asked to uh, put forth first reading um, 
Arnis Foucault Bylaw Amendment. And then second and third readings would come after some public input if people wish. Okay. So, councillors? Councillor Good? I'll move first reading to pass bylaws provide a new actual gas franchise agreement with the Pegley firm. That franchise gives 32% value to the property taxes. Thank you. Any further discussion? Everyone in favor of the motion? Councillor Carr? Yes, I am. Sorry. Yeah, I was just reading it over and over again. Uh, any opposed? Okay, it is carried. Thank you. Okay, we're now into uh, any unfinished business. Just have any listed here. So section eight, new business, and as uh, indicated earlier, our first item is going to be item five, which is a request for decision with respect to MPC appointments. And we have Ms. Moni to speak to that. Thank you. Thank you for adjusting the agenda. For so I could provide this report a little earlier in the meeting. Yes, yeah, so I'm here to present the Municipal Planning Commission member appointments. There are two vacancies currently on our MPC. The MPC, just to remind Council, is established by bylaw and is responsible for reviewing and making decisions on discretionary use development permit applications, and they also provide advice and input. On strategic planning processes. The MPC is established by bylaw 1993. Uh, the MPC is comprised of nine members. Am I good to continue? Yes. The MPC is comprised of nine members, um, no more of three who will be council. So we do have four currently public members and three council members. We have advertised for new MPC members and have received two applications, one from a Robert Ashfield and two from a Richard McIntosh. Mr. Ashfield is a new resident to Peace and he is currently the uh, managing director at the Mercer Mill. And Mr. McIntosh is a longtime resident of Peace River and a retired provincial court judge. The applications were both reviewed by the MPC in full at the uh, March 23rd uh, MPC meeting. And MPC passed the motion recommending that council appoint both Mr. Ashfield and Mr. McIntosh to the MPC. So your options are to appoint both persons to the MPC for a three year term, which is pursuant to our bylaw in 1993. Or to appoint, or so to, to decline to appoint any new members to the MPC, which would leave us with two MPC vacancies. Or the third would be to appoint one of two candidates at, their, at your discretion to the MPC. It is our recommendation that Council appoint both Robert Ashfield and Richard McIntosh to the Municipal Planning Commission for a three year term pursuant to bylaw number 1993. And I can take any questions that Council might have. Councillors? Anyone want to move forward to motion? Deputy Mayor Scamahorn? Yeah, I'll move motion one. Council appoints uh, Robert Ashfield and Richard McIntosh to the Municipal Planning Commission for a three year term pursuant to bylaw number 1993. Any further discussion? All those in favor of the motion? Aye. 
Thank you. Any opposed? No. Okay, it is carried. Thank you, Ms. Holman. Thank you very much. Okay, the next item on our agenda is a request for a decision with respect to the Alberta Municipalities presentation. So the Health Commission is pending. So, uh, who's speaking to this one? That would be Councillor Good. Councillor Good. This came. Uh, this came out of discussions on doing a presentation. I'm asking for possibly three things. One, to do a presentation to the um, board of the but now the Alberta Municipalities. Secondly, to get a booth at the Alberta Municipalities Trade Show. Um, and the third, to do, to put forth the idea of a present, doing a presentation to the membership of the Alberta Municipalities in one of their breakout sessions. Which would be uh, kind of a, every year they ask for people to come and put their projected presentations in and I think we could do a pretty good job of doing so basically, we asked to see if we can get some numbers um, of what it would cost to do the presentation. I believe Mr. Clegg has got some information on that today as far as the uh, booth costs if we wanted to have a booth at the AM. Okay, and just for the public record, the topic of the presentation? The, the topic of the presentation, we're still working on, but it's going to be kind of looking at um, municipal access to assessment. Uh, Councillors, any questions on this? I have a couple of comments. Councillor Carr and then Councillor Ford and Councillor Shannon. Just something I thought of, John, is and I saw your presentation and I think it's a good thing, but is this going to, first, first off, would we not, and I've voiced this many times, should we not be looking at our spending and our costs, um, getting them under control before we move in this direction? Now, following that, should, should we not, before we go and set up a booth at the trade show and so on, should we maybe, have council decide that this is the direction town council wants to move in before we start going down that path. And um, thirdly, how is this going to be interpreted by our neighbors? Is it going to be interpreted as we are going down this path? And if so, if we maybe make that decision before we go down this path. <laughs> because I can respond to that. Actually, the presentation does not point to solutions. The presentation does not point to any direction as a response to it, because to be very honest with you, there's probably any number of potential solutions to the issue. The, the question, and it's not, I, I understand your point about spending, but if you don't have enough revenue, your spending is precluded by the fact that you don't have access to a, to the proper amount of revenue. So, yeah, well, 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 at the same time, I'm just answering your question, Brett. I'm just saying that the, the question is not so much about spending, though that's a, a major part of it. But the question of, of 
the municipal access to provincial property assessment is one that's independent of the spending issue because other municipalities are having exactly the same issue of access to assessment. So, and I don't want to get into a, a big discussion about it because I think you've seen that part of it. But there's a lot of things whenever I've given this presentation that the public, that the public and other councillors are not aware of, of the disparity on provincial access to different assessments. Just one simple case, 85% of the industrial property assessment in the province of Alberta does not reach well, actually, it's about 90% of it does not reach 85% of the population of Alberta. That's not a position of spending. It's not a position of right wrong. It's just saying, here's a fact. The fact that agriculture is only 2% of our GDP is not a matter of opinion. That's a matter of fact. And my presentation is strictly facts. What comes out of that? I'm not married to any decision or pointing to any specific solution coming out of it. But I think people that giving people facts is not something you should worry about. And if somebody is offended by facts, I'll be honest with you, too bad, how sad. Um, I don't mind that they're, that they're offended by facts. Facts don't have feelings. Facts are just what they are. So no, I, I think the two things are independent. Should we be looking at our spending? Absolutely, with a fine tooth comb. But it's a totally separate issue of providing factual information to to the people of Alberta. Yeah, I understand that, and, and, and I don't disagree with everything you said. But I'm just thinking, if if are, are you going to represent like if, if we rent the booth and you do your presentation there, is that going to be seen as the town of Peace River's um, goal or agenda? Is, is, um, is my it could potentially be seen, but but I, I, I what I fail to understand is what is this agenda around facts? If somebody says I have an agenda around telling them facts, yeah, I have an agenda around telling them facts. But you know, I'm not pro proposing that the town of Peace River is saying because of these facts we're going to go in this direction. And I don't speak to those things when I'm giving the presentation. All I point out is here are the disparities. There are numerous solutions. And if you've seen the presentation, the last slide simply asks the question, where do we go from here? Yeah. And that's not putting forth a presentation. I'm not speaking forth a presentation on behalf of the town of Peace River, but I don't know why the town of Peace River would have a problem with somebody giving out facts. And nobody's yeah. ever contested any of my facts. No, no, and I enjoyed your presentation. It was it was eye opening, but but I'm just I'm just looking at perception and and cost and that sort of thing. But uh, thank thank you. Thank you, Councillor um, Ford, and then Councillor Jones. Yeah, I'm just interested. I support the uh, the presentation being done. I'll just put that out there. Um, the only concern I have is is I'd like to hear the numbers of what it's going to cost us. So, for instance, what is a what is a booth cost at this trade show? The figures that we got today are uh, approximately twenty-two hundred dollars. That's for, that's that's for the member booth. price for a booth, and that includes the booth, three tables, the backdrop, some chairs, and four exhibitor passes. 
Okay, and what about the other presentation you're talking about as, as far as the board and the breakout? Those are, would be possibly transportation costs. If we did a meeting that we took a, let's say some of us went down to the AM to do a presentation of their board, we would probably cover our own costs. Okay, and my, la my last question would be, if council chose to um, supply a booth at AUMA, would you be wanting to have, and there again, I'm gonna go back to uh, um, Councillor Carr's comment of perception. So would you want that booth just plain, or would you be looking to have it labeled with town and peace server all over it? You know, that's a decision that I think the town and peace server can make at a later time. I mean, I don't really care. I'd like it. I'd like it to say that the town of Peace River supports giving out facts. I mean, if we're going to put nothing on the backdrop and say we're going to we're going to do it, but we don't want anybody to know where these facts are coming from. Well, I'm going to be standing there and saying my name's Don Good. I'm a councillor with the town of Peace River. Why? Because my name's Don Good. I'm a councillor with the town of Peace River. So I I, I just don't. Thank you. Councillor Shannon. Okay, well, I'm sorry, but at this time I can't support I can't support that um, expense. For $2,200, that's just for the booth. I'm thinking out of all the things this council has to worry about, I would say that a, that kind of money for a booth would go better if it went a long way for something that we could actually... This is a, a presentation that sounds like it's non-presentation. This. Is this, should this be our initiative? Like, should this be a Peace River, a thing that the town of Peace River gets behind at this point? I mean, then something is, that I feel strongly about, and I can bring past you, will the town of Peace River give me a boost somewhere? Because I've got a few things I'd like to say to AUMA too, or AUMA. You know, we got to think of it in that way. Our perception is everything. So if we go in, I fact or not, Don, I'm sure that it's factual, but it's going to be the perception. Are we going in there? Is this really our presentation to give as a town like of all the presentations and all the booths that we could get in Alberta on our limited budget I would say this is not one at this time that we that we should be spending on uh, especially if we're considering any kind of a tax hike I think any kind of thing like this should be we should put a little more thought into what we're we're going to be thinking for an outcome there number two I do feel that there is no appetite in government for this kind of uh, thing right now and I have good reason to believe that and uh, I don't believe they're going to, I think we have more important things to take to the government than this one if we want to, you know, go that direction. So, you know, I'd like to see, see us concentrate on, on other things than that. And, we, you know, especially with an economic development committee trying to work with our neighbours. You can't get away from that. I'm sorry. The perception will be there. And we can spin it any way we want. We can call it facts. We can call it the gospel of whatever. But the fact is that is that will be. That is offensive when we're trying to build relationships. And if $2,200 for the booth alone, I'm sorry, that's, I think our, that money could be spent a lot better than to, than to educate Alberta on something that's not really our thing to educate. Like that's, let municipal Alberta affairs do that, Alberta municipal affairs, but I don't feel that that's our, our cross to bear. I mean, we have other things. That's my opinion. So I'll leave it at that. Thank you. Councillor Boychuk or Deputy Mayor, do you have anything to add at this point? Um, I think we've got an opportunity to advocate for more than more than one thing at a time, and 
it's, it's not that I don't feel like, you know, municipalities in our region rowing in the same direction um, on certain economic initiatives or, or other regional things that we can do precludes us from doing other, um, you know, activities as well. I, I, I would, I would say that if some people choose to take offense at whatever might be said or or done or whatever in terms of a presentation is they're, they're free to make that choice and and you know more power to them they have they can they can get their own booth and do their own counter thing if that's what they so choose but i i, I don't think that uh you know us presenting this type of information is something we need to be uh you know throttling back just in case someone decides to choose to be to be offended, um, I've, I've sat in plenty of meetings with with our neighbors where people chose to take offense over over facts, and that's it, it. Didn't mean that I didn't share them in the future or anything like that either. So I, I that that wasn't really a concern of mine. And as far as you know, twenty two hundred dollars um, for for the cost of for the cost of this, I mean that's we're we're starting to uh, we're starting to cut really close to the lines of of, of advocacy. Of, I mean, are, should we be sending anyone down to Camrose? Should we be? You know, like, do you see what I'm saying? So, you know, I, I would I would wonder if if that's where we would draw the line on this. Maybe we shouldn't be going anywhere ever. Um, Councillor Boychuk, did you want to add anything at this point or? Okay, Councillor Ford. So, just two more questions, uh, Councillor Good. So, if Council chose to get the booth, would you be doing the actual presentation in the booth, and would you be like, would you be manning that booth all the time? I'm certainly willing to do that. Um, as far as giving the presentation, it's about a 45-minute presentation. So. I don't think people are going to be sitting and listening to it, but I have it playing in the background. Maybe would I have pamphlets there that have the facts and information? But like I say, I'm also hoping beforehand to be able to potentially go down and give this, to give the presentation to the board of the El of Alberta municipalities, and um, also to be one of their one of to have one of their speakers. They have speakers on almost every convention that have, that bring different points of view on um, economics, on social housing, on any number of different subjects that are brought for people to take a look at and consider whether they like the direction or whether they don't like the direction. And that's still, I, I don't have a problem with that. But I think putting ideas out in the, in the public to be discussed is not something people should be afraid of. You know, um, it, I mean, as far as people being offended, I've had that argument for the last 15 years that the rural municipalities don't like what I've been talking about. I've actually had them threat, had municipalities say to me that they were going to have me come and speak, that they were told by the rural municipality that if I came and spoke, that they were going to cut their agreements with them and it was going to impact their agreements. Byron has been there when we've gone down and had talks and had and had a municipality say that the other that the rural municipality was offended that they actually had me come down and talk to them. But nobody from the rural municipalities ever argues with my facts. They get offended by it. 
because right now they're hoarding $1.5 billion that's not getting to the majority of Albertans. I'm offended by that, but I'm allowed to be offended by that. So the fact that our neighbors get upset when we want to see a change in how the municipalities are structured, I don't mind that they get offended. But I'm not always going to not talk because somebody's offended. If that's the prerequisite, you can't have any opinion because somebody's offended somewhere. So I think we're going to uh, draw this in a little bit. Um, Councillor Ford, did you have? Further? Yeah, I wasn't wasn't quite finished yet. So so from my understanding, then Councillor Good is you're hoping to get uh, a booth at the trade fair so that you can handle pathways. It's not so much give the presentation at the trade fair, you would give the presentation to the AUMA board members. And if they wanted you to be a speaker at AUMA, that's when that decision would be made. Is that what I'm understanding? If, if they accepted it as a subject, so they, they, obviously they have control as, as to who speaks at their commission. They can either accept it or not. That's what I might interject there for a second, is in order for him to speak, we actually, I believe we need a motion of council tonight because the applications for him to actually physically speak as a presenter, not on the booth, but just as a presenter is this Friday. And we have to make an application to AM and then AM will decide whether he can actually have a, um, a, a little presentation like in one of their little kiosks, not kiosks, in one of their little rooms. So. So the three things that Councilor Good that I heard that he was asking, one of you was asking, okay, I'd like to go down there and do the presentation. I'd like to talk to the board and I'd also like to do um, a, a kiosk. So it's, I'd like to do a presentation to anybody at a set time and that would be his 45 minute presentation. Then also have the booth and then also, so Councilor can say, you know what? We don't want you to do the booth because maybe it's too expensive, but we don't have you have a problem going down and doing the presentation to the board and also to just um, one of their um, uh, speaking talks. So council has basically three decisions they have to make or no, we don't want you at all going down there. Okay, uh, Councillor Ford, you're gonna finish and then Councillor Shannon. Okay. So my last comment then is another question for Councillor Good. So if council did choose to do the booth, do you have time to do both the booth and the presentation as uh, what Mr. Parker was describing as far as in a kiosk or something. Yes. Councillor Shannon. Uh, Donnie, that was my turn to say it to you. Your level, this makes you sensitive. That's a joke by what happened. And that's um, I, I'm sorry. I still, um, when you guys say, and Byron, you can, you can, this is actually, I'm saying this to you. You said, about um, we can do more than one thing. We definitely can do more than one thing, but we can't do 20 things. And I'm, I was saying that there's probably a lot more important thing to do than that one thing. And also about being offended, I'm not worried about our neighbors and it doesn't matter what, what, how much money they have or whatever. It's not about that. I am, my perception was not that they're gonna be offended, but because I'm wanting to build some relationships there and having some partnerships of them in the future. And I don't think talking out of both sides of our cheek is going to be the way to go. And I'm just saying, this is from my, my opinion, to pay that to be at a, where we could be at a trade show somewhere showing off other things. We, there's more that we could do with that. I'm just saying, we gotta think smarter. 
and to spending our money. And maybe you're right, Byron, maybe we don't go to cameras or go, or go to those. I'm totally up for knocking any spending like that out of two, but when we're faced with a tax increase, I'm sorry, every little bit counts and we got to get our priorities straight. Maybe that could go toward, there could, could go towards a lot of, of good things uh, other than, than that, I'm just saying. But um, that's my, I think at this point in time, that's not a priority of ours. And it's not a, our responsibility to educate the masses either. But thank you, Dave. Uh, Councillor Boychuk, and then I've got a comment or two. All right, so, you know, and I'm, I'm hearing a few different issues here. And, and so, you know, I don't really want to get into the, the cost wise because that's a whole different discussion. And, uh, you know, I know I, I would be honored to see uh, a member of our council presenting here at a conference, you know, just like I would be presenting here too. You know, if we want to get into the cost, we've got to look at costs because I agree 100%. We, uh, you know, I'm behind you guys on tightening up costs and seeing what kind of bang we're getting out of our dollar, but I don't think that conversation's here. But, uh, you know, like uh, we got a trade show coming up here and, and just listening to what's going on here with Don and stuff and how I've hit up the wall many times on projects, you know, what about co-presenting with our neighbors at AMUA? You know, like take the NDs and, and put a presentation on together. I don't know if that's possible or, or you know, and, and start, maybe start, you know, getting a little more groundwork and support here in our community and feeling out what our priorities are. But, uh, you know, yeah, that's kind of what I got to say as, as far as that goes. I, I, I'd really like to see our community out there making change in our province. But when we get together and decide what we're going to do and how we're going to do, we, we still haven't done that yet. So it's 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 a tough one to decide whose passion is more important than the other person's passion. So. Okay, just my one last one. I see what what Mark means about that. About uh, you, you want to see us up there, but we what for first of all, good luck getting on there. And number two, like that's a hard spot to get. And number two, so we are going to be up there if we do get that spot is that what we want in that spot and we're in the middle of our strategy meetings maybe we want that spot for something else then I, and i don't even know the title of this yet so i'm not willing to vote for or like to exact uh, but maybe that's my i'm not okay so um i'll be good and quiet okay you're going to be good and quiet shelly i do respect your opinion as you and i have said we have different opinions on things and that, that's one reason i love this council is that we can have those differences of opinion. Um, what, I, what I would say is that the could be, when you talk about spending money better, yeah, I, I think I think for the investment of two thousand dollars and the potential payoff of having the change in our um, our municipalities access to provincial assessment, which by the way is not only my issue, one of the people who speaks most uh, supportively in favor of this is actually Melvin McMillan, a PhD from the University of Alberta Department of Economics, who originally brought this into my attention in 2006 with a presentation where he talked about a linear assessment being more of a, his wording was that it was basically an unconditional grant to municipalities and his last report that was put out within this year talked about the need of the province to address the disparity in provincial and municipal access to assessment so this is not just my issue it's an issue that's been talked about all through the province and for for us to go down there i mean i speak passionately about this year um when i've given my presentation 
um, to different levels of government and when I've given it to um, bodies, I hold it back quite a bit. I mean, I dress professionally, I look professional, I act professionally when I'm there. Does it matter? Do I feel passionately about it? Yeah, it's obvious that I do. I, I'm passionate about it because I see the town of this river constantly, constantly, constantly for the last 25 years facing economic hardship of, of rising taxes, high mill rates, etc. Um, well, and I see other urban municipalities facing the same thing. So yeah, I'm passionate about it. But for a $2,000 investment for the potential payback, I think it's well, well, well worth it. So that's just my opinion, and I'm hoping for some support. And if I don't get it, I'll be honest with you, I'm going to keep fighting for it because until somebody shows me where I'm wrong, and that hasn't happened in 15 years, I'm going to keep going. So if I um, draw this to a conclusion, and maybe you can make a decision or not. Um, so as I as I perceive it, uh, some councillors are unsure about the uh, topic itself and how that would be uh, perceived in terms of uh, present and future relationships with whomever. Um, some councillors think that the information should be out there and spread to a wider audience. Um, those mechanisms could be a booth at this trade AM's trade fair. It could be a conversation and presentation to the AM board, and or it could be a um, uh, speech at one of the breakout sessions at the AM conference. So is there um, anyone who uh, would put forth a motion that perhaps uh, speaks to some elements of those? If there was just a speech, I shouldn't say just a speech, if there was just a presentation at the um, breakout sessions, um, that doesn't seem to cost anything if uh, our presenter is already going to the conference. Um, anyways, I leave it out there um, for someone to make a motion or table it or whatever. Councillor Ford. Yeah, just one more quick question, just from what you had said there, uh, Mayor. and. Uh, and for Councillor uh, Shannon, um, would you, Mr. Good, please state again what your presentation is about? It's strictly an, exa an examination of uh, municipal structural history and also the provincial um, municipal access to property tax assessment in Alberta. That's simply what it is. History and an examination of municipal access to property tax assessment. Your Worship, if I may, I'd be willing to put a motion on the floor that the Town of Peace River Council support Councillor's good efforts at AUMA by providing him with the booth at the trade fair, as well as the two presentations that he would like to make both to the board and to uh, a speak guest speaker, I guess you say that. May I do a friendly amendment? Sure. First, do a motion for the presentation, uh, the breakout session permission for that, because that's the one that costs the least. And if we separate that out, then basically if we're going down to the AUMA and we get that, when they allow us to do it, it's basically the cost of my walking into a room. So, sure. So the motion, as I understand it, is to uh, approve 
Councillor Goods um, uh, giving a speech at a breakout session on the topics of examination of mutual structural history and examination of pro property tax assessment. In general terms, yes. Okay, are we clear on the motion? I believe so, Your Worship. Okay. Any further discussion on that motion? So. I do have one comment, if I may. Yes. If I may. Yes, you may. Um, um, back to, uh, I'm not sure whether Kelly was the one who said it. I think it was Mark. Um, regarding uh, um, is it really and, and no disrespect on is it our is the town is it the taxpayers of peace river's responsibility to educate the masses is 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 my comment and also um, with us talking about tax increase is this really a need at this point as opposed to a want and those are those are just my thoughts so uh, the, there are two questions that are valid. There are two questions that are valid. Is it our responsibility to educate the population? I'd like a councillor to stand up. I'd like a councillor to say that they don't think it's the responsibility to educate the population. Um, I think it is. I think facts, it, again, facts are facts. It's not a matter of opinion. So I, I think it is our responsibility to educate people on accuracy and on facts. As far as whether it's the best expenditure of $2,000, that's a judgment call. And that one I can only make for myself. I think it's a reasonable one considering the potential payoff. Other people may disagree, and that's fine too. Thank you. Okay, so uh, Ms. McQuaig, would you be able to read the motion, please? I worship what I have is move to support Councillor Goods giving a talk at Alberta Municipalities breakout session on municipal structural history and property tax assessment. Access to property tax. And, uh, and access. Yeah. And access to property tax assessment. Okay. Uh, so uh, all those in favor of the motion. All those opposed? Aye. Okay. Uh, vote is five to two in favor. So this uh, what this means is that Councillor Good would go and ask AMA, or he would AMA would be requested as to whether Councillor Good could uh, give a speech at one of the breakout sessions. So that was that motion. So are there any further motions on this topic? Yes, Your Worship, I'd put another motion on the, on the floor to provide uh, Councillor Good with the booth at AUMA at the trade fair. Oh, by the way, if I may say this, if we have a booth at the trade fair, I don't believe the only purpose of the booth should be handing out uh, my stuff. I would be very straight with that. If we're going to have a booth there, I would like some stuff from our Board of Trade there. I would like some stuff from the Town of Peace River. I would like any information we can have there our municipality and if I'm, the, if I'm there I'll talk to people who want to come and talk about that subject but if other people are in the booth and they want to talk to us about putting business in the town of Peace River absolutely if they want to talk to us about different opportunities that are up here absolutely so I don't think it should just be a one-purpose booth 
I think that would be an absolute waste of $2,000. Yeah, the other side of it, if we looked at doing, I mean, we, we, we talked about our new vision, mission statement and that kind of thing here, and that might be a good opportunity for us to kind of roll out that, that, that brand province-wide. Okay, so um, Councillor Ford had a motion that um, the town of Peace River would rent a booth at AM for $2,200 approximately. And uh, I'm hearing more within that booth right now, so I don't know how that would get decided. Um, yeah, I think part of why this is on the agenda now is that that timing issue that that we've run into. That you know, if we're if we're going to make some of these you know moves or whatever, we, we need to get the ball rolling on those things now. So it's kind of like it's a little bit of shoot first, ask questions later. Okay, so that if it helps your worship, the booth uh, bookings don't open until after the main long weekend. So there's plenty of time for council or to to work to establish a theme or content for the booth at large. So there's likely to be costs beyond the $2,200. Um, it seems that at AM, um, those booths, people are given out goodies, be they pens or bags or whatever. So there would be uh, somewhat of an extra add-on to the $2,200 just so that that is understood. Okay, can you please, Mrs. McQuaid, uh, read this motion, please? I simply have a booth to provide Councillor Good a booth uh, at the Alberta Municipalities Trade Fair. Thank you. Is that your motion? Um, no, I'd like to take the amendment from uh, from Councillor Good that it be a town of Peace River booth. So the wording of the motion would be that the town, I think that the motion would be that the town of Peace River um, rent a booth at the AM trade show for the promotion of the town of Peace River and also to allow me to be there. That works. Okay. Um, just wait a sec here, Mr. McQuaid. And uh, in uh, to support Councillor Goods or in conjunction with Councillor Goods? In conjunction, probably. Now, are we talking uh, a booth in that trade show? Yeah. Kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. Super interesting. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's just make it sure that makes sense. It's like the Peace River trade show only in Edmonton, kind of. <laughs> We're there, Councilor. Well, I like. I really like uh, Deputy Mayor's uh, comments there about. Uh, rolling out uh, the town of Peace River's new branding that we could uh, present that at that trade fair as well. So, Which could be a little bit of a time crunch, actually. Um, Ms. McQuaid, would you mind oh, read, yeah, reading the motion, please? Move to have the town of Peace River rent a booth at the Alberta Municipalities Trade Fair for the promotion of the town of Peace River uh, in conjunction with Councillor Good's presentation or initiative in conjunction with Councillor Good's initiative. And could you um, per, could you perhaps add um, a trade fair 2022? Like, hmm? I don't know why I'm echoing here now. But um, okay, so are we clear on the motion, everyone? Councillor Carr, any questions on the motion? 
No, that sounds good. Thank you. Okay, we're ready to vote. So all those in favor of the motion? No, we didn't vote on this motion. This is the booth? Yeah. Okay, so please uh, raise your hands or say whatever again. Okay, and all those opposed? Councilor Carr, your vote? Councilor Carr? Councillor Carr? Um, please. And tell them to hang up and phone in again or something like that. So I think we're taking a very short three minute break here. That was there when I started. Okay, so. Uh... Okay, on yourself. Okay. We're, we're trying to, but you're going to have to unplug it. Yeah. It's locked up. Uh, we're locked up. Carr said he accidentally hit the uh, hang up button and set his phone down to like you call him back. We will do so. Post haste. since COVID started, but the other ones that I went to when I went to Calgary and, uh, and Edmonton at ADMA, um, yeah. besides, besides regular uh, vendor booths, there was there was municipalities, a few municipalities that did have their own booth yeah, in counties. Yeah. They were rebranding, it's an election year, everybody was new, so I'm sure the first booth was just like the first year they were just like everything new. Um, no, I don't know. Six one eight. Okay. Yeah. Hi. Sorry about that. Yeah, you're back on Councillor Carr. Yeah. Okay. So um, we are in the process of voting so i have asked who approved and who was opposed and we were waiting for your vote do you know the motion can i hear the motion again please certainly just one moment councillor 
Someone has a mic on. There we go. That was me. That was me with the Zoom. Uh, the motion is move to have the Town of Peace River rent a kiosk at the 2022 Alberta Municipalities Convention for the promotion of the Town of Peace River in conjunction with Councillor Good's initiative. Yes, I would say yes. Okay, so the motion is approved at four to three. So um, admin will arrange the um, booth for the fall 8 a.m. conference in uh, Duluth, Calgary. So that's another thing. Yeah, okay. So um, any further discussion on that topic? We've had two motions now. Now there was talk of doing um, a presentation to the uh, the board. The Alberta Municipality Board. Yeah, and I'd like to see if it's possible, this is just possible, to do that. Those presentations are generally to their board, which is normally 10, 15 people. And it would, um, I, I would like the opportunity, one, because I think it would be useful for them as well as us. Two, it's non-political because it doesn't go really anywhere further than that. But it would also uh, give us a, a kind of a trial run, if you want to call it that. But it's also dealing with people that are strictly going to be looking at it from the municipal vantage point. And yes, yeah, I believe that's that. Would someone put forth that motion? If and that's not attached to the conference at all. That's at any time, Zoom or in person, yeah. however it works. Yeah. Okay, I'll make that motion. Yeah. The wording would be? Um, to enable Councillor Good to present to the Alberta Municipalities Board regarding municipal taxation accident. I had a quick question for Yes, Councillor Ford. Yes, Councillor Good. So, if if you're doing the presentation at a kiosk or at a UMA, um, would it be uh, an idea to probably reach out to the AUMA board prior to and invite them to your presentation there? Well, well, they would see it. At the, they would potentially see it at the breakout room. But um, also the information that I would give them would probably be a bit more technical okay. than the than information that I would be giving to a public to the public once forty five minutes comes to me. Any other questions can be a little longer. I've done presentations to their board before. Um, it's a group of um, basically their presidents and vice presidents at that level. They have a number of different uh, vice presidents. You have they have six vice presidents. And uh, things like that. Uh, so it's a, it's a separate kind of presentation that again, it would be very, very factual. Because um, again, like I said before, I'm not, I'm not promoting any particular solution, promoting the conversation. Okay, um, any further discussion? We'll get the motion read again, please. Move to enable Councillor Good to make a presentation to the Alberta Municipalities Board on municipal structural history and access to property tax assessment. Thank you. Okay, any further discussion? All those in favor of that motion? All those opposed? Aye. 
Okay, the motion is carried at five to two. Okay, so um, I think that ends that topic. And we're now on to request for a decision or a briefing note on water rates. So we have Mr. McQuake or Mr. Webstale. Mr. Uh, uh, Director Webstale will be leading us through this conversation and I'll be here for uh, any technical items that need to be addressed. Okay, thank you. And was there a refreshment of, uh, there is a, the agenda is up to date, but if council, I've sent you a Zoom link, if you could please uh, enable the, zinc, uh, the link strictly for the purposes of screen sharing. Yes, if you could please keep your mics muted. We'll just show to each other. That mic you can use. So your worship and council, this is a topic that we to give a little bit of a heads up to at the last council session. Can we kill a microphone somewhere? I built two. Testing one, two, three, that's sounding much better. Perfect. Uh, Madam Mayor, could you mute, please? I'm showing you the slide. So Jim and I alluded that we would be coming back with more information on this whole topic of utility rates and a suggestion that the town would be considering um, a cost recovery, a full cost recovery on utilities. And as it currently is right now, the town of Peace River is not fully recovering the cost, and so it's reflected in the taxation rate. It's one of those things that's very much a cash cost. It has to be covered somewhere. And if it's not recovered by the utility rates, it shows up in the taxes. So on this document here in front of us, which you will also have a paper copy of, but you can definitely follow along on the screen also. Sorry, is there still a mic? I just having a hard time hearing. Absolutely. Let's hear it. How's that? Sound test? Test one, two, three. So what you have on the screen in front of you is just the request for decision and a little bit of background as to what is what's happening. And Jim and I spent a little bit of time looking at this Corvus report from 2011. It's about a decade old. And for those of you that have been on council for a little while or have some history there, it's a report, and if I can summarize it in one paragraph, that basically suggested the town needs to be charging more for water, wastewater, and stormwaters to fully recover and to be in, to fully recover the costs and be in a position to deal with the capital requirements on an ongoing basis of what is very expensive infrastructure. So there's a little bit of background here of what Jim and I have been looking at. We talk a little bit here about the models that we refer to and what is a generally accepted practice in the province of Alberta at a municipal level 
to fully recover the costs associated with water risk treatment thereof. So we've got some background here and then we've got a fairly detailed little list of answers to the question is why is it so expensive? And I'm not going to go through it all in detail but I'll maybe just tell a, a quick little story. We've recently hired a new technology, a new engineer trainee working with Jim and I had the privilege to go along with Jim in the room through the water treatment center in Shaftesbury. And I've got to say, it was an eye-opener for me. I've seen water treatment at DMI, other municipalities. I'm very familiar with the one in a local neighborhood, 20 minutes from here. But walking through it was an eye-opener that what we have, for all intents and purposes, is a regional water treatment center. It is massive. It is very impressive. Built to a far bigger standard than what Peace River is. And it was interesting chatting with the staff. One of the things they commented on was until recently, they couldn't use the instrumentation that was installed in the plant. The flow levels that went through the plant on an hourly and daily basis did not register on the instrumentation. So to put that in perspective, it was built and intended for a far bigger regional demand than what it has ever served. It's really only in the last couple of years that it started to serve by the water clocks and they're bringing the Crushable Center on board, a more, how should I say it, more the model that it was built for. And so with changes to the instrumentation, they're now able to better calibrate and use electronic tools to better calibrate things and monitor water levels. That was truly impressive. Jimmy the comment here, it's a level three. It's typically found in the city-sized municipal environments, not in a community of 7,000 people. It really is quite a machine. Uh, we talked a little bit here about the sanitary sewer, the storm sewer, the number of list stations that we've got. And a little comparison to communities that we thought shared similarities either in being in the north, drawing from a river environment in a valley, just to kind of give some comparables. And what really stands out to me in that little chart there is Peace River and the number of list stations. Each of them costing somewhere in the neighborhood of about a million and a half dollars each. And really, when you look at Peace River from a water perspective, it's not a community. It's a collection of suburbs. And when you see it mapped out, and you see the list stations, you see the pumps, you see a drop into the valley, come out of the valley, cross over the river, go up into the hill, have a pressure reducer, have a pressure increaser, it really does drive home the reality of it's a costly system and a challenging geographical environment. And it's been really good for me to spend the time with Jim to actually go look at some of the facilities and, and just gain that appreciation on it. So, moving on a little bit here in some of the municipalities, some of the rates that we saw when we look around the province, uh, other places that had 14 cubic meter usage for a household, what sort of rates you saw in effect and not be aware, Peace River is relative to that. We're at the higher end, which makes a lot of sense when you look at the cost structure. I would speculate, don't have all the numbers, but I would speculate that on a per capita basis, instead of a thousand people, we probably have one of the more expensive water treatment and distribution models in the province. And yet, 
we're certainly not the most expensive. We're up there, but not the most expensive to our consumers. And then there's a, a reference here to a chart, which we might take you to later. Here are some of the options that Jim and I have been working on, and we just want to maybe walk through some of them so you can see them in detail. So here's a current model today. If you are a smaller household, let's say three people-ish, 14 cubic meters. Right now there's a variable charge. It works up to 660 per cube, 9240. And there's a garbage recycling charge, which is flat across every household. It has a utility account at 17. Your total is about 109. So we said, what does that look like if we start tweaking that? So here's a full cost recovery that balances out the fixed and variable costs. And what we want to acknowledge in the search for something equitable is even if you are a single person, maybe you're just a, a senior by yourself, maybe you're a, a truck driver and you only need your house one week a month or something, or whether you're a family of six people, you all benefit, whether you're in the house or not, from having that service, that infrastructure in place available to you, adding value to your home and to that of your neighbors. So we said that fixed rate to reflect that reality before your water tap is turned on, of the cost that the town of Peace River sees, the fixed rate ought to be something in a neighborhood of about 110. We put a variable amount in there, it would work out to almost $20. We're also acknowledging that we're aware of some garbage recycling charges coming through, they're looking more like 19, adding $2 for that. And 17. So a total will agree around 149. Let's round it up. Let's go to 150. There's options again beyond that. Moving to that model over two years would look much the same. We would be looking at a different fixed amount instead of being 110, it'd be only 57. The variable would be far higher. And so just keeping 50% of it fixed instead of as much was in the previous ratio. And option three, moving to a full cost recovery, but using the percentage increase, which I think is what Peace River has done for probably 10, 20, probably longer than 20 years of just increasing that flat model. And again, if you moved it to $9.33, it would work out to about that 150 mark. So let's maybe you're going to ask the question, what does that look like? So what we've done is just giving you three little scenarios here in Excel. So one of them, basically it's assuming a consumption of 14 cubic meters, which Jim says is like the numerical average of our users in the residential world here in Peace River. So currently, if you're using 14 cubes of water, there's your water rate, there's your current garbage recycling, which would be paying. In the new model that we're proposing of a full cost recovery, you would see a fixed rate of about 110, a variable rate of around 20, $19 reflecting the rate of about 150. Again, it's comparable with moving it to $9.33 if you're in your head and wanting to know what it is in a per meter variable rate only. Let's go back to this one and let's just think about the people that would be different. So you've got a smaller, maybe senior by themselves. Oops, let's go back to the model. Use it in four meters cubed. 
people that are very small users would absolutely notice this. They're getting water for very affordable, $26 right now. But in the new model, reflecting a fixed cost, you'd see a much larger charge for the fixed part, a lower amount for the variable. And you'd see an increase of right around that, not quite 100, let's call it $90 increase. Let's say you're me, two adults, two teenagers. I use 20 cubes. In that model, from the current reality, I would be going up about $10. If you're a larger user, here's a fair bit of washing machines with our coveralls, stuff like that, say, you would actually see a slight reduction. 172 up to 215. It's about 30, it's about 45, a little less than $45 change. So, one of the, the things that we looked at back in this briefing on, which Jim and I talked about, is what is equitable? And we certainly were influenced by looking at your equity metric, your gas bills, that are very clear about there's a distribution charge, there's a transmission charge, there's just having the service as it costs before you even turn on the electricity or turn on the natural gas. And that's what this is, is attempting to reflect, is these are the very, very much the fixed costs of operating water. Do you have any point if you'd like to join me? So, that maybe yeah. so if you just uh, have, uh, go back to that spreadsheet for a second, Larry. Absolutely. Now at that 30 uh, cubic meters, so we're at 172 on the new model, but what I want you to look at is the model on the far right, where under the variable rate group, if you're charging a, a straight uh, per cube charge, it's now $298. So there again, that most of that 298 is going to subsidize the people that are using three or four cubes. So that's where that money, that's why that is so high, because like Terry said, there's no, no free lunch. Uh, you know, that cost has to be borne somewhere. So it's either borne here, or it's borne on taxes, or there are a couple options that we look at. You can, you know, reduce that by uh, offsetting that by your tax rate, and including part of that charge in the tax rate. You can offset it by reducing the amount of capital contribution for future projects, which you know you have to be aware of that those projects are coming. There a lot of them are not going to be optional in the future. You know, the more that we put those projects off, the more they become you know must-be projects. So it's better to take a stance of starting to plan for these projects, budget for these projects, so when they come up, you're ready for them. Because there's no guarantee you're gonna get grant money for all of these. Now, we will always strive to do that, but there's no guarantee. We, we have to be shown, and even with grant funding, you know, most of the grant funds that we have, you know, you're coughing in at least 30%. So you have to have money pointing up against the, the federal and provincial grant to start with. If you have no money pointing up, our project's not going anywhere. So one of the questions that might be asked is, how do we then compare to other communities? And so Jim and I were very fortunate. There's a fellow in Central Alberta, one of the municipalities that 
maintains a spreadsheet of, and at first we had some concerns about it, we dug a bit deeper, it was actually very helpful to, to compare it to. And so what this fellow has done is he's gone online, he's looked at the bylaws of villages, towns, cities across Alberta, and he's just put together his, his analysis of what other communities are doing. So it's alphabetical order here, it just happens to show there's a minimum charge, a cubic meter charge, what water would look like, a gain safety percent or sewer, and then a look at the waste to charge that, and then what a typical user who used 14, what they would pay per household. And so you can see there's a fair bit of variation across the province. Some are quite low, reflecting just very affordable water. Um, just purely as a comparator, let's look at Grimshaw because I have known a little bit about it. Again, there is no stations, it's a lagoon, there is minimal treatment, and Grimshaw has been mindful as they price their water, they are mindful of what other communities are charging. So they opted over the years to be more aligned with the neighbors, and Grimshaw does make a good penny at that pricing that fully covers all the capital requirements and everything else. Again, it's not a perfect comparator, it just gives you a local one. Um, it's interesting to just go through them and see what these rates look like. You can see that lots of them, like Kids Coffee, there's a $42 minimum charge. Most municipalities are now meeting that where there's a minimum amount. Again, I'm not sure which of these is the most comparable to Peace River, but it gives a sense of the ranges that are out there's lots of them here. Olds is an expensive community. Waterway, you see some of them about 150 and over. Um, it's interesting to compare it to something like Edmonton, which I know is a very expensive system, but also has tremendous economies of scale that we don't have, as Peace River was 7,000 some people. So Edmonton's interesting because we're around that 144 mark themselves. There's Days Land, again, a small village, I'm not sure it's that comparative, but it gives you a sense of what is out there. So Terry, quick question. When you look back at your two options between one and three, what, what exactly is the problem with the higher end users supplementing the lower end user? There's not necessarily a problem. I think what you'll have is, some people will have concerns, it will become very expensive if you're a large user. We said the average, mathematically, the average user is 14. Based on my experience with two adults, two kids, about 20 cubes of what I would use. Let's just say you've got four kids, you're maybe in that 30 cube mark, right around there. Um, seniors, people living by themselves, the four or five mark is more realistic than what you'd see there. What we're wanting to do is, again, equality to us is an acknowledgement to everybody, no matter how many are in the household, your residence benefits from that infrastructure. So another example of that is a house. You might live by yourself in a 2,000 square foot house, or there might be six of you living in a 2,000 square foot house. But our taxes are based on the appraisal of the house, times the mill rate. It's an acknowledgement of what your frontage, your square footage, what you're benefiting from with that value of house, regardless of the number of people in the house. It's a similar concept with the water, acknowledging that so much of it is fixed, we're suggesting that the bulk of it be fixed. 
In this model, we can certainly play with that, and we can say instead of the fixed cost shift to the variable rate, we can radically move that around. We can see that's 65 percent. So, so are, am I reading this right, though? If we go to the new one, we're looking at an average of $600 increase per year for helps. It would be about that, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So right now, people are paying this in their taxes. The goal is over time to have the water pay its own way, so the taxes reflect the need for other services in the community. One way or another, the resident is paying for it. It's just in what form are they paying for it? Yeah, and, I, and I'm just worried about certain residents taking that hit. That's all. That's what I was saying. What's wrong with the model with the high end users? Well, one thing to keep users in mind, not having uh, a lot of your high end users are low income families as well. So you're again, we want to make sure that we're being equitable across the board, right? So just because somebody uses three cubes doesn't mean that, you know, you're clearing that low income bracket, right? So if that's what you're looking at, then, you know, that's not kind of the basis to look at that end of the spectrum. The other thing I'd like to point out too, is we're just looking at the residential side here, but included in the model change is all your commercial water and all your uh, your water co-ops are figured into this as well. And then uh, the Peace Regional Correction Center are figured into this, the Dixonville uh, line is uh, in this as well. And basically under this new model, basically the rate uh, per, per cube is essentially the same. So naturally there, if you're a, a commercial user and you're using 35 cubes, you know, you're gonna be using substantially more water and paying a higher bill with that. And what we will also look at as part of this model is that the, uh, the commercial uh, and residential probably is the most water uh, within the town. So each of them, uh, bear a, a certain burden rate upon that, uh, in which the, the rates get configured. But if you work it all back, it all comes out to an equivalent per meter, meter cost. So it is fairly equitable in that regard. It is and it isn't. Like the commercial users, if they're big enough, they need more bigger water in their structure, don't yep. they? Um, okay, Jeff and Mayor, and then Council Ford. Thank you. Yeah. What, what is the fixed? Is, is so? Is there um, the fixed charge for a, a commercial building? Is that the same charge, or does it depend on the size of inflow? It, it depends upon the size of the pipe size. So basically, I've kind of drawn the line between two inch and larger for a water line. Okay. They're at one burden rate, and then two inch and smaller are different burden. And that's just the commercial rate, or is that including that, that property? So there's a, a small commercial rate and a large commercial okay. rate. Do, do you want to join the person? Sure. Councillor Ford. Thank you. Um, I find, uh, I just want to reflect back on uh, Councillor Boychuk's comment about uh, higher water usage, and then back to uh, the administration's comment about a lot of those higher users are low income families. 
So my question is actually going to go to Councillor Good because of where he worked. And that's with North Peace Housing Foundation. So a resident in Peace River that's a low-income family that is able to reside in one of those homes, is that water included with their rent or do they pay that over and above? Good, can I speak to that one? Yes. I reached out and spoke with North Peace Housing about that because that was one of our questions too. How is that worded in their rental agreements? And I understand it from speaking with the Director of Finance, it's included in their rent. So they pay a, a set rental amount per month that includes their water. So in the long run, it can come back to hit the taxpayer because the North Peace Housing had to raise their levy, then you get charged more by their levy. Um, I don't frankly see this happening 100% all at once. I do agree with moving towards the um, user pay and that cost recovery, just because we have to do something, so some of that makes sense. Have you um, looked at a, a model where um, <clears throat> there was a fixed um, charge that say, I'm gonna just throw out a number, 50. 50 for everybody, and then um, a charge for, and say 50 gave you five cubic meters, and it pays for some of the infrastructure, and then variable on top of that, so that somebody has a little more control over some of their costs, and yet there's a basic cost for everybody. So that would involve uh, offsetting the uh, fixed rate by 47%, so transferring that on to the variable rate. So in that case, you're, would be looking at an equivalent per unit cube cost of $9.42. So slightly higher on that end, but there again, your higher volume users are subsidizing at least half of the fixed rate for the low end users. So by the chart, so that's kind of looking at the third chart, isn't? No, if you look at the first first, first chart, chart, that new on um, the new model. Yeah. So that shows you lots of sixty dollar eighty one. If you wanted to look at fifty dollars, it's fifty seven. So that's what that one would look like. So, so their their charge at this point would be. Um, so let's at, at so that would be at five cubes. Now, if we went back to, up to fourteen cubes, you look at what they would be paying. So they're paying one hundred and fifty-one. So instead of one hundred and forty. And at the moment, they're paying one hundred and nine. Yeah, and then for some larger families, they'll be paying one hundred and eighty-six. So they're paying 145. So well, let's look at that. Yeah, they they'd be going from 158 to 186. So it's a $30 dip increase for that. And what's the five meter cubes one? So five, they would be going from 136 down to. 98. The five cube goes from, what's the 50 so, in the middle there? So 90, $98 is what, if you subsidize them, and then 
If they're not subsidized, 136. So about a $36 reduction for the lower users. We did. May I ask a question? Sure. Yes, you may. Would 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 it be possible to show on the statement how much they're being subsidized and up to the point when it is sustaining itself? You could, but I think it would create some confusion. Trying to display that, and I also worry if you suggest that it might create some conflict. Is that what we want? I'm not sure I understand Con that. Conflict, how here? What sort of conflict are you talking about? I'm sorry. Uh, just telling some people that others are subsidizing them and telling some people that they're subsidizing others. I just oh, I see. picture I see. some of the conversations stemming from that. I mean, we can certainly, you know, yeah. as administration, as council, we can see that picture. The, the goal being over time to, as much as possible, have ratepayers on an equitable basis paying yes. an appropriate fixed amount. Again, I do want to, to stress in terms of communications, it's not the town is trying to make money. The town is trying to break even. What's currently yeah. being subsidized via the property taxes we're suggesting at some point should pay its own way, consistent with many other municipalities in the province. I, I guess I'm of the philosophy that uh, we live in a community, so certain elements are going to be subsidizing certain other elements of the community just because you live in the community. So equitable doesn't necessarily mean totally equal in some senses, but that's my thoughts and this is a very hard topic, and um, it is. Yeah. I, I'm not sure that, uh, like, Councillor, do you have questions? Councillor Good. Well, and just a reminder, cell phone watching. Because I'm not aware, I mean, there's, there's two parts of this. There's the uh, math part, then there's also the philosophical part. And the it used to be that it, a lot of times water was just covered in taxes and they would just raise taxes to cover the water infrastructure somewhere and everybody paid X amount of dollars per cube if they did bother to measure water because it wasn't that long ago in this town historically that we weren't measuring water. Houses just had water lines. Everybody got water. It was part of your bill. But we went to, then there was the move to, um, to some extent brought by people who said, well, water's not a finite infinite resource. Therefore, same as with a car, if you drive a big truck and you're gonna use more gas, you pay more for your gas. If you drive a small car, you use less for your gas. And also there is, was an incentive, there were a lot of people who wanted to put incentives on people to minimize their water use. So to do that, you can't measure it, you can't control it. So they got into a broad in measurement. Once you're brought in measurement, the people were going, well, if, I'm, if he's using five times as much water as I am, why am I paying the same water bill as him? Those questions are, are legitimate, reasonable questions. Well, if you're all paying taxes, you see, you sit there and you just cover the water cost. And then somebody said, yeah, but everybody sort of gets the benefit of the fixed line to the house. Regardless of your house, your house value covered that. 
So that should be part of maybe that discussion. But there's always, and then the Corvus report came out. One of the main things the Corvus report said was, there's an ethical position that, that it should be user pay. If you're going to use it, you should pay for it. And in a nutshell, that was to get to that model of what user pay is. So now we're finagling over how do we define user pay? Is it that every house pays should pay the same amount for infrastructure? Because I you can make an argument. I live really close to the water plant. My cost of that infrastructure is only this much. I live a long way from the water plant. I should be paying a much greater charge because I live at the farthest point in the East River. You could make that argument. I'm not saying it's a good one, but it's certainly a defensible argument. So you come up with a, we come with an average fixed cost for that. So any of these arguments are not going to come down to no increase when there's always going to be an extra expenses on water. Peace River does have an expensive infrastructure because of the fact we're built on hills, valleys, and across on two sides of the river. I mean, those things are, are the real things. So really, then you discuss how we do it. Put it on taxes, we'll have minimum water costs, and put a tax if you go to the Because you're not going to, the scenario where you can have increased costs that nobody's going to pay for doesn't work anywhere I've ever been. It doesn't work in the house. It doesn't work in a school. I haven't found it working anywhere. I don't see it working here. So now your question is, what's bearable? What's, what's equitable is one question, and what's bearable and sustainable as the other. Am I, am I putting it in pretty simple terms? Yep. So you, you can argue, well, and I, is somebody going to be subsidizing somewhere? I could make the argument that the guy who lives really far from the house is probably being subsidized by the, the far from the water plant is subsidizing the guy who lives closer. Some subsidy is, is acceptable and I'm going to be there all the time. Now we're going to quibble over the details. There's none of them that don't raise the cost. At least none that I've seen. Because the costs are there and they're not going to disappear regardless of how we try and work around it. I think we're all agreed the costs are there and going up. And, and we do realize that, you know, you know, we're not taking this in isolation. We realize that, like, for my townhouse, you know, $200 gas bills, $200 electric bills this year. And, you know, I'm a minimal user, right? So, but those, most, most of that is fixed costs. And just to get the, the lines to the door. Yeah. And this discussion is um, one that I don't know that we can totally decide before we looked at the garbage and recycling uh, charges because to the house owner, to the property owner, it's all, here's my bill. And those two elements are in it, whether there's fixed or variable charge. So I don't know, councillors, are, are we kind of in agreement that there should be a fixed element to the water bill or are we um, saying, nope, it should be totally variable. Use one liter or one cubic meter, use 25 cubic meters while you pay the ratio. So fixed and fixed and variable. Any thoughts, Deputy? Have we figured out um, how this impacts our exportation of water, which in my perception is only going to increase over time? particularly given the size of our water plant. So for this one here, what I'm gonna do is flip over to this sheet here. And 
shorten this one up here because I'm only worried about this side up here. But basically, what we're looking at, and here you can see the residential charges that we saw on the other sheet. The small com uh, commercial service, what they would typically be uh, paying. Uh, and this one, and this one here, I think is still, this is if we go to 57% uh, uh, subsidization of the variable rate, or of the fixed rate, right? So we're offsetting that fixed rate bonds and variable rate when we're looking at this particular instance. So there again, uh, when we're looking at Shaftesbury Co-op, uh, so basically they are not paying any sanitary or storm charges because they're only paying for the water side of it and they're not paying any garbage charge. So we back all those out. So their equivalent per meter cube charge is at $5.23 as opposed to the $9.44 that you would pay in town because at $9.44, that includes your water, your wastewater, and your sperm. Uh, and then, uh, so that's including that and that 944 doesn't include your garbage costs. So how does that compare to what they're paying today? So right now they would be paying that $6.60 per queue So we'll get monthly at the old rate and then monthly at the new rate. So if we come down to the water co-op, which I think is what Councillor Shackdown was. Yeah. So the water co-op there, uh, monthly right now, uh, at the new model is 23.80, and at the old model is 23.57. <laughs> so essentially, unchanged. And the same with the corrections center. So we're just using water, so at the, the New rate is pretty much on par with what we're doing at the old rate. Any further questions, Councillor? Councillor Carr, can you make sense of what we're talking about? Yep, it's clear as mud. <laughs> I think I think my only concern would be I, I would like it stretched over maybe a longer period of time to gradually bring people into this and and and, and plenty of education I guess because we're gonna we're gonna really hear about it. And like Mark said, a lot of people are really gonna feel it from pocket play. And I think the okay to phase this in over two to three years as long as we are agreed that we're moving to the new model to so that way, as we kind of bring those new changes in, we're offsetting. Uh, we're getting more to a full cost recovery. Okay. 
You said three Come. years, Jim? Could you do three years? So uh, I was just commenting, I'd be okay looking at this over two or three years, but as long as we are moving to uh, the new model where we are working that direction to do full cost recovery uh, and having a fixed and variable charge. Can you put the 14 cubic meter up on the screen with what's just being discussed uh, over the three year term or something like that? And then Councillor Shannon has a question as well. So I'd like to see it spread across more time as well. Um, but so I know it's an impact. So are you saying that it's either do it this way or it goes into the tax increase either way? It's got to be paid. It's not that. Yeah. The way it works for all expenditures of the town is that it's. I'm, I'm a fan of the variable myself. I mean, whatever. As long as it's over a period of time. Yeah. And I guess both Jim and I. Sorry. Jim and I are just very mindful. We're looking at the capital requirements. We're seeing the fixed component. And again, looking at other models that we've seen in our communities, we're wanting to have that base funding that reflects the fact that it's there. It's adding value to each property, even if it's not used. Especially like a park in the neighborhood adds value to the homes, even though some households may never utilize the services and adding value. And that's very much how we see this infrastructure. It's absolutely crucial to the town. It needs to be maintained. And right now, we're heavily subsidizing it via the taxes and we're not saying that's wrong it's maybe not the most transparent it's maybe not a best practice in terms of transparency so so part of the reason as i understand it for moving to some other kind of model is um so that eventually this water sewer storm system is supposed to be kind of self-contained with respect to um funding of new projects as well as maintenance. And if we don't go to that full model, then we are still dependent upon um, grants for that water infrastructure. And at the same time, we will not have reserves supposedly accumulating to pay for uh, the whole thing eventually, if it ever could even out. Is that so in terms of reserves, so what we're trying to do is create a system where uh, the rates are providing enough money to go into their own reserves. So that way, any capital infrastructure in the future is funded from those reserves. And that kind of free, frees up any capital contributions on the operating side that would go to fund other capital projects, whether it be you know, corporate services projects or, or whatever. Uh, the other thing that we Want, recently we want to go to the new model and is the reason why that most utilities have gone to this model is just the stability in the funding because uh, part of the thinking is well we have just a per meter cube charge it penalizes people for using that but what it does it just creates a bigger gap of money you have to recover back on taxes so at the end of the day it's, you have to pay for the system so if you're using less water and you're not collecting as much money for that water that you're using, you're going to have to make it up on taxes. So in other words, um, if there's a property that is not using any water under this newer system, they would be paying a, a 
fixed fee per month anyhow because the water went by their door sort of thing. That's correct. And I guess uh, my other little worry or annoying is um, I'm not sure that we can ever get enough reserve so that it fully funds itself, that we're still not having to draw from the tax side or something. You know what I mean? Like it's not, okay, tomorrow we have this reserve. Well, we won't have the reserve because we will have taken some out of the reserve. <laughs> yeah. In, in a near perfect world, you would take a set amount out of that operational revenue, set it to reserve, and then immediately pull it back out with the capital budget and be ongoing on that maintenance of the infrastructure. When I started in municipal government, I was very fortunate. The mentor that I had, she hammered it into me. Grants are here today, Terry. They won't be here forever. And we operate under this continuous paranoia. Someday the grants will go away. And someday they will. I just don't know when. Well, they are. <laughs> but the thinking was that you always need water and the sewer and the storm sewer. You have to have that. At the end of the day, if you couldn't have pavement, you could always burn gravel. And if you go into a small town in rural Saskatchewan, you'll see that, where they've got concrete sidewalks, no asphalt. So in the model that I've been accustomed to the last decade, we were self-sufficient in the water. I'm not saying that it's necessarily possible in every case, but we put away X amount and we spent X amount each year and in no way we're dependent on grants or loans to maintain the water and sewer infrastructure. And all grants were set aside for asphalt. That's just one particular model. It's maybe one that I'm the most familiar with, but I've always appreciated the sustainability of that. Yeah. That no matter what yeah. happened in municipal affairs, we can keep water going. Yeah, I can see that. It's just, in my experience of nine or so years here, each year there's an emergent situation and uh, that takes whatever resources, it just sucks them in. Okay, Councillor Good, Deputy, and I don't know why that's I think one of the other things with the realities is that if, if you don't decide to deal with it, you're basically just handing the problem off to somebody else in the future in a, in a nutshell. Um, but the other part of it is one of the main drivers on the new water plant, Peach River, uh, historically, it's a, that was on Council in that part in late 90s was um, that the province increased their measuring, increased their requirements of water treatment, which basically, um, basically your plant's going to not be um, considered acceptable at a certain time, so you gotta replace it. So we had to basically build a whole new water plant, even though the water had been delivered for X number of years with a water plant that was delivering a, a, a good amount, but it would not meet um, the standards and one of the dangers that we have going forward is that like the old thing if you can measure it you can make a rule and the province has always gone for less and less and less and less contaminants in water i don't see that hitting a brick wall in the future to where they're never going to increase standards again or change standards again so those are realities that you're going to have to face regardless um, am i am i wrong in that Jim? or no, and as you recall, uh, not this particular council, but the council previously had a chance at the beginning of their term to tour Reservoir 365, which used to be our old water plant. And you saw the state that that was in. And they said that reservoir was replaced 
just in time, like two days between the uh, time that we had the new burst bar going and when the old burst bar totally failed, like catastrophically failed. You know, and that's that's way we're kind of running our infrastructure right now. We're running it to failure, yeah. right? And it's it's getting tricky. Lift station number four, you know, that one there, you know, it's on its very last legs. And that, you know, I'm looking at the new pumps being delivered on the 22nd of April. And I'm just praying and crossing my fingers I can hold that kit together until the new one takes over. So, you know, it, it's that kind of infrastructure that we're dealing with. And, uh, yeah, and you're right, Mayor, you know, every year it seems to be a different emerging situation. And we have to deal with these things. We're looking at the secondary clarifier project. You know, trying to put our best foot forward in in lobbying for those grants. But even that, should we get a grant for twenty five million, they're still going to look to us for putting out a quarter of the funds to to get there. You know, we'll try our best and try and get everything. But realistically, you know, we have to you know be prepared, be able to pull in that money. I'd rather start putting capital away that we have that money to match those funds without having to go back to Canadian services of, sorry, you get nothing this year. Oh, and you get nothing next year because I'm sorry, I'm taking all your money. Well, we talked about that in strategic plan way and uh, strategic plan way would say, we don't want that. <laughs> we want whatever yeah. to balance our community somehow. Uh, Debbie, you had a comment. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I would advocate for just doing it um, in one in one go. There's a couple of reasons for that. Number one, it's it's reality. It's it's the cost, and and so what would the logical thing to be do would be to charge the appropriate cost. So there's there's that. Uh, number two, um, stretching it out just means people are going to pay, they're just gonna pay in the wrong modality, so it's not gonna capture all the ways that we want to capture if it's going through taxes. Um, we can try to hide people from reality for a little while if possible, or, or hide reality from people, I suppose, by drawing it over for a longer period of time, but in, in a way that's a little on the dishonest side. Um, and if we do end up going for grants, and I think we all would agree that this situation is pretty much grant supported and without grants it would have fallen apart a long time ago. If we end up going and talking to, next would be infrastructure, according to our conversation with uh, the Minister of Municipal Affairs, so the next conversation was infrastructure. Um, I would much rather sit down and talk to them and say, we moved our water rate to this, we are collecting this for water, this is our cost, because this is the true charge cost for water. Uh, and, and that's something that we're committed to doing, as opposed to saying, well, right now we're kind of you know, subsidizing it through, you know, we're, 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 we're kind of fudging the accounting through our, our tax and, and, and that kind of thing. So if we're going to truly apply for a grant or truly try to get a grant, I would much rather do it in a forthright way with the exact things that we need to have and, and, and appropriately funding our reserve, which is the number one thing that they're going to ask right away is are you appropriately funding reserves? If we are not appropriately funding reserves, that's going to be a strike against us in eventually get the grant money that we will need to make it happen. So it would be my opinion to 
whatever we do, half rate uh, variable or full rate variable or, or whatever it is, it, maybe we do this over two motions, um, but I would move to, should I be invited to make the motion at some point, move to doing it in one step. Okay, um, um, I'm going to throw in here that we still have not yet discussed the garbage rates and maybe we would uh, perhaps give direction to uh, admin at this uh, meeting, but we need that garbage rate discussion too. Um, other comments from anyone? Councilor Borcha. Um, no, I totally understand your presentation and need for an increase. My concern is when you speak to bearable, is, is our lower, and not the low-income people being subsidized, but the low-income the low people that are barely making ends meet right now. So I, I just would like to see them not be punished and, bear, and, and offload too much onto them if we can come up with uh, some different system. But as far as that, that's my concern. And, you know, I'm looking at, uh, you know, I do have my phone in my hand and I'm using the calculator. We're, we're going to nail North Peace Housing a $60,000 minimum bill for their low-income housing needs people this year. If we're going to increase it that much, 600 bucks a house, minimum 100 units, that's 60,000 bucks we're, we're impacting the low-income subsidy in our community. So I just got a, I'm, I'm a little worried about it. That's, those are my concerns. And I understand the need, but that's my concern. Thank you. Um, Councillor Ford, anything further? Councillor Shannon? No, I'm, I yeah. Councillor Carr? No, I think I'm good, thank you. Councillor Good? I uh, wish I knew the right answer. Um, <clears throat> I'm being very serious. If, if they're really conflicting, really conflicting <clears throat> aims, conflicting, conflicting goal lines. You know, that, that makes it really, really difficult. I'm, I'm not convinced of a specific way forward. That's the problem. I'm not, I'm not getting enough information right now to make a specific way forward. At least I'm, I'm not comfortable with that I know enough at this point to make a specific way forward. Um, I wish I did. Thank you. Uh, uh, Mr. Parker? Uh, thank you very much, Your Worshipful Council. I think what administration is looking at right now is whether it's fixed or variable, is council in principle saying we need full cost recovery for water? If we have that concept there, we can get to the right format and formula. But what we, I guess what we're asking tonight is, we just need to commit, because we can't continue the budget process without knowing that. Because if you, if, if you want full cost recovery, then there'll be a certain tax rate. If you don't want full cost recovery, you want to do a variable, slowly bring it in, then the problem is, is we, we have to transfer those costs over to the actual tax rate. So in principle, Your Worship, if, if you just go around the table and ask, should we do the full cost recovery or not, that will help administration in the budget process. So, but my question then would be, okay, um, yes, the full cost recovery, but I don't want it to happen all 100% next year. So how do we get that across? So once we get that part, if that's what council wants, then we need a percentage and then we can come back with other numbers because whatever we don't do, 
in the water rate, we're going to be positive or not to the, the tax rate. So if, if we could just get the first part, is full cost recovery now fine? And if it isn't, then how, over how much, and then what percentage? So the other option you can look at, your worship, is you know, instead of looking at this as a request for decision to make, you could provide, or we could treat this as a request for direction. Provide us direction on the full cost recovery, and then provide us direction to bring back to you what this would look like at, you know, over two year implementation or a three year implementation. I wouldn't want to do it any longer than three years, but we could definitely provide information back to that and then bring that to the next council for a decision. Okay, thank you. Uh, Deputy, do you have any specific comment before we move forward on? Yes, I hope everyone agrees with me. <laughs> and Councillor Boychuk, I did ask you, right? Yeah, okay. Um, okay, so um, uh, if we go forth on, on this discussion, um, would we would someone be prepared to bring forth a motion to direct administration to go to full cost recovery? So if we'll just kind of move it in the affirmative. If it fails, we go to the next, we go to the next and try to land us. Okay, well I'll start. I'll move we go to full cost recovery. So we'll you're directing administration direct to examine or to bring up information about full cost oh, recovery. Oh well they could do that anyways, I guess. Well, I was gonna move that we just do it. We don't well, want to do that. Um, I, I think we might need a little more, more information. information. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just so darn principled. It's so hard I, to operate I, I this way. I can see you know. that happening. You guys happen. have yes. too much gray in your lives. <laughs> well, okay. <yeah>. We'll <laughs> Well, I'll move to request direct administration to uh, bring back seniors for full cost recovery in one year, over two, and over three years for council to then make a decision on in the future. Councillor Good. This is just to clarify, thought. so you may have given me the information I need to go forward, which I think is this. Let's assume that there's a certain amount of tax, a certain amount of revenue you have to generate tax, let's say a thousand bucks. If we go for full cost recovery, nothing is added to that thousand dollars. That thousand, that tax amount we need to have stays where it is. If we go to 50%, that 50% is now added on to the tax bill and then advertised at some point. Am I correct on that? So really what we're talking about is where you're moving it. That's it, that's, that's the discussion. So yeah, I'm fine for full recovery. Now I understand, thank you. No, that clarifies, thank you. Um, any further comments? Edmund, do you have further comment? I have Council? a quick question. Okay. So as far as fixed recovery, does that will that change through the year? So, so what that would look like is, uh, so for full cost recovery, but what we're going to do is bring back options according to Councilor Scanlon's uh, direction. Which I can withdraw at any point. We will come back with uh, scenarios for uh, doing it all in one year, doing it in two years, and doing it in three years. So and then uh, and then between now and we'll bring that back to the next council meeting for a decision and hopefully by that point you'll have all the information you need and you can uh, ask myself or 
Director Websdale for any information that you need to kind of clarify things. And we'll provide that. And then hopefully by that point on the next council meeting, you'll be ready to go and uh, make a decision on that. But knowing that we're going to do full cost recovery gives us some information on how we're looking at the operating budget. Because that, that's one of the key things that we need to know is you know, which direction we're going on that. So if we've got direction to go with a full cost recovery, then you know, we know a certain amount of that we can go and shop the operating side. So who, who reads uh, say that pump dies or something like that? spend a million extra bucks. Is that well, going right to be part of the full cost recovery and everybody's bill goes up? I've got a rebuilt pump on standby for that particular lift station. So I've got one identified. I always have a backup plan for those things, but there it's a rebuilt pump. But I'm just curious if something happens, is that part of fixed? Everybody's going to eat that instantly or, or is that part of the operating cost that we can look at next year? I just try to figure out exactly what you mean by Recovering, so, recovering your costs is that every yeah. year? So it is. Uh, you're recovering your costs. Like basically, the way we've computed this is, I've looked at projects over the next ten years of what I think we're going to be doing. You know, in terms of replacing things as life cycle comes up on some of these projects. So I've taken that and assigned a per annum cost to replace those projects, and that's what you're seeing as the capital coming back in for that calculation. And as well as we've also included, you know, what we're paying for adventure costs right now is also included in this year. Because when we borrowed money in the past to pay for projects, we need to also pay for that. Councillor Borchek, maybe just expand on that. The intent would be that the fixed cost would be a once a year setting. So our perfect world We'd agree the number, we'd roll it out for July 1st, it's set that way for the next 12 months. Each 12 months as part of the budgeting process, we look at it and go, we can tweak it maybe up, we can tweak it down. But the whole goal each time being to do a full cost recovery and be fairly predictable from year to year would be the goal. So if we vote on full cost recovery, how often do we have to re-vote on that? So if prices go up through the roof next year, it just automatically rolls onto the bill or do we have to that would absolutely be our intention because right now we're doing that via the taxes. And we do a, a rate review every year. We do that every time. Councillor Shannon? I'm good now. Okay, so just to rephrase this, as I understand it, if we vote for Deputy Mayor's um, um, motion, he or it would say, um, from now until some council in the future changes its mind about how to do this, we would have the full cost recovery each year, and then would be doing a calculation to say, well, it's got to go up this much this year, next year, it's going to go up this much because it never goes down, frankly. Things are always more expensive, so it's never going down. Get used to that. Um, we're also saying, though, that, and I don't know when in the future, but the aim would be that the tax side of things would not be subsidizing the water, sewer, stormwater side of things. But there's going to be some time there where it's going to, because even if you go to full cost recovery, that's for this instance, it's not for 
tomorrow's daily expenditure that goes up. Somehow. And the, the rates up we're showing here and what's reflected in the operating budget to come will be that you know the first six months of this year are going to be at the 660 rate, our existing rate, and we've, we've budgeted of what that looks like if we go to full cost recovery, what the remaining six months will be. So that's what we've put into the operating budget at this point. So we're going up by uh, 50%, right? Auto rates, basically? Some, some will be going uh, higher, some will be going lower. Basically. So if you go from 660 to 933? 933, yeah. yeah. That's for the, an average user, what they would look like. If you but the rate itself, yeah. that rate is going up by that much. The total, total bill might be something else, depending yeah. on your usage. Right. Um, any, uh, yes, Councillor Ford? My understanding of the motion is uh, that Deputy Mayor directed administration to bring back auctions over one to three years on full cost recovery, not that we're going to it. That decision would be made later, unless there's appetite to make that decision tonight. In such case, I would withdraw my motion for direction and do a motion for full cost recovery and deal with it. Yeah, I, I don't mind the costs are the costs. I don't mind full cost recovery, but I'd like to see I'd like to see the option space over five years, not just up to three to five. So that means that the cost would have to go up further than nine thirty-three because um, it's taking that much longer and your taxes are subsidizing that portion for longer too. Like there would be a rate change there somehow, wouldn't there be? I'm just asking. I'm just yeah. asking for the options, yeah. not yeah. Just to, see what the, just to see what the numbers look like. Yeah. Okay, we've got a motion to direct administration to bring us, uh, bring council. Can I do something uh, temporary purple? No. <laughs> Out of respect for Madam Mayor, I will not throw her a curveball. <laughs> well, you could. You might as well get it over with if you're going to. Yeah. You're okay with that? Yeah. I'm withdrawing my motion. Can I make another motion? Okay. So oh, Deputy Mayor has withdrawn his motion. So it's okay. I can make it again. It. It's not carbon okay. stone. So now what do you want to try? Um, I do have a, a, a question though. If I make a motion to go to full cost recovery and it fails, can we make that motion again later after getting new information or are we stuck with that motion having failed for quite some time? According to our bylaw, I believe it's six months or a year if it's that specific one can uh, council perhaps uh, give me a second to look that up if it's if it's going to be an issue that's quite all right it won't be i just have to okay. i don't want to put uh, i don't i don't want to put my colleagues in an awkward spot that's all it, we, we we should do this with all the information that others may like i i know i've got my main made up i, I, don't, I don't think i'm the only one but that's all. Uh, is it on your is it on your cheat sheet? Procedure bylaw, I believe. Yeah. I don't think this one's on there. Of course not. That would make way too much sense. Number serves me correctly. I thought it was twelve months. Yeah. Less. Well, I, I I don't I don't I wouldn't want to jeopardize the situation. So. 
unless the entirety of council decides to bring it back, then it can be brought back. Let's see. But what if your motion hasn't had a Nothing hasn't There is no motion on the table to carry that. The only reason, uh, Councillor Ford, that I wouldn't want to give it five years is if that's handing it off to the council. That's fine. So I, I think that that's just my own feeling about that, speaking to that. that uh, yeah, no, I'm not, ask, I'm yeah, not yeah. asking to go to five years. I just years. want the information. I want to oh, see the numbers. I do have a response to the oh, thank you. Mayor's question. A written notice of motion to renew or rescind with a minimum of five members voting in favor is the only way a motion once decided may be reversed or rescinded within one year. Okay. Well, we're taking our procedural bylaw for a spin today, aren't we? <laughs> so Deputy Mayor, what, what is your motion if you have one? Um, I'll, I'll, I'll move to direct administration to bring back options for five years, seeing as it'll just be two more lines on the spreadsheet, right, fellas? <laughs> Hearing no objection. <laughs> So for, for full cost recovery. Um, from full cost recovery to spreading your costs out over five years. Does that make sense to administration? Okay, and we'll just wait for Ms. McQuaid to restart the motion. Uh, move to direct administration to bring back uh, information on full cost recovery uh, for a period of one through five years. And can you put in water, sewer, storm rates, or whatever the topic fits? Thank you. Any uh, further discussion on clarifying clarity for the motion? Councillor Carr, any questions? No. no. No, it's pretty clear, I think. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Okay, it looks like we're ready to vote on the motion. And Mrs. McQuaid, um, could you read it back one more time? Sorry. Certainly, Madam Mayor. Uh, move to direct administration to bring back full cost recovery models for water, sewer, and storm sewer rates for periods of one through five years. Thank you. Okay, all those in favor of the motion? Aye. It is carried. Well, Opposed? Nobody is carried. Thank you. Okay. What's next? Um, do we need a short seven minute break? Yes. Okay, we need a short seven minute break. That brings us back here at um, about 17 after the hour. And are we still going to be on Zoom for that or not? The next topic is a capital budget. Yes, please. If you could just yeah. leave it open, that would be awesome. Just mute it and sign okay. it up there. So you've also got the paper copies in front of you. As you go through them, I, I could read them to you. I don't there's much point. I guess is your questions as you go down the left hand side and you look at the projects. Is there anything you'd like us as directors to expand upon? I have one. Um, it's the pool hot tub project. 
I could read that as demo or demonstration only, but I assume it means demolition or what what would that be? That would be correct, uh, Your Worship. But in that we're looking at that project over two years. The first year would be to demolish the existing hot tub, get in there and do some exploratory work to see just uh, what the the extent of the damage is under there. Uh, because we need to kind of like get in there to see if uh, part of that has been undermined uh, due to the leakage of the hot tub, and then come up with uh, a plan in doing a little bit of engineering this year, so that way going into next year, you've got some better costs figured out of what the hot tub replacement would look like. So the construction will be geared more towards next year. In the 2023 capital, it says that's about $100,000. Uh, I'm going to assume that's at the low end and whatever's in there. Um, so basically, you would like us to um, ask questions about these items? Is that what you're wanting? Please, we would absolutely welcome questions on any of these items. Some of them are self-explanatory, like a payment overlay, a sidewalk replacement. Some of them are a bit more unique, or maybe a little bit more technically challenging, some are software specific. Um, like I say, we're, we're very open to any questions that the council would have of us. Deputy Mayor? Sure. Um, I'll start with the fire hall number two purchase at 900000 Now, given that, that is, that's purchasing a piece of real estate, correct? So I'm assuming we're not borrowing that on our regular municipal rate that we would normally borrow things on because that loan would be secured by a piece of property kind of thing. So we would be getting a favorable interest similar to a mortgage sort of situation. Is that correct or not? My intention on that one would be to go to back to the Alberta Finance, the Financial Capital Authority to see what their rates are. Historically, they have been the most competitive. Okay. I do know in conversations with their staff, they're talking about moving to more of a market-based interest rate, and we've determined exactly what that was. If this is something the council says, yes, proceed, go forward with. Um, historically, they have given incredible interest rates, right? But I think they'll creep up, which would still probably be the low market. Okay, good enough. Um, Mr. Parker, you had a comment? Uh, yes, uh, there is one item that we would like to just um, give a little more information on, and that's the town of charge or project. Uh, with that, there's a possible another option than what is being proposed here. And so we wanted to just throw this idea out to council. And uh, I'll let uh, uh, Director Webstale and uh, uh, Ms. McQuaig, uh, Director McQuaig, uh, talk about that. Thank you. I'll just briefly step onto my soapbox and share some opinions here. Long term, I'm not <clears throat> really sure that it's the role of the municipality to be in the business of fueling vehicles. And so I, I suggest an alternative that we might want to think about as council administration. If we proceed with this, even though there would be grant funds of approximately 200,000, there would be about 40,000 of the town's money going into it to reflect the cost of bringing the power and you know, your background in electric, you would certainly have a much better stance at three phase or possibly up 400, yeah. 500. 600 to three phase. So that 40,000 reflects the cost of us bringing it there. And what it doesn't reflect is the ongoing operational cost of the town paying for 
electrical service, that will be probably against two different sites. So let me even put you on the spot. If we look at the residential model fees for like 200 and a half acre in your house, the monthly fee just to have the power before anything is used. $150. You'd be, okay, so it's a little less than I would have thought. I would have given a bit more. Because what I service- How much would it be, maybe? So for like a 200 amp service, you're probably looking at about $150 a month before you start using power for that one. I'm more paranoid. You know, I believe it would be higher. I'm just looking at the facts of three phase. And I'm thinking a modest amount of electricity going through it. So those are, it's an operational cost that the town then has for the rest of the life of that charger. It's an operational cost that we don't currently have that we now have going forward. Coupled with the reality that this is a piece of public infrastructure vulnerable to vandalism, theft, and little simple things like a copper cord going missing in the middle of the night that we probably have to get from the manufacturer, probably over in the United States. I see a little bit more maintenance. I definitely see an operational cost going forward. And I wonder if it would make more sense, both as a community, as a business outreach, I think it'd be a bit of a chamber of commerce to maybe ask businesses in the community to maybe put together a proposal for us that we would hand that $40,000 off in maybe two separate allotments to local businesses that have customers that are at their place of business for say 45 minutes or longer on average, enough to get a decent charge but vehicles passing through and say, we will just give you the money. You put the charger in place and this is a draw for you to bring customers to your location. You are now responsible for any operational costs, any maintenance costs, any vandalism, all the costs, all the risks are borne by someone else. But we still have the chargers in the community and in particular at places of businesses. If I'm passing through Peace River knowing at high level at nine o'clock at night, I need to charge and my option is the Centennial parking lot or the Tim Hortons or Boston Pizza, it would make far more sense to have it located on or beside a business that can provide a service while I'm waiting for the electric vehicle to charge. So I frame it as a different way of doing it that I think would be a nice outreach to the business community and reduce our future operational costs. So the grant that we were talking about for the EV charger the charger had to be put on municipal property. Which, how would that be reflected in your your suggestion? That's exactly what I'm suggesting: is that we forego the grant. That it's not that I'm opposed to the electric vehicle. If we put forty thousand ahead, let's consider proceeding with that. But is it really the business of the town to fuel vehicles? So the business would have to come up with the amount to do the installation of the EV system. That's correct. And integrate to what presumably would be three-phase power at already existing at their place of business and facilitate in such a way in the parking lot to draw business in and be able to serve those customers during the time of the charge. Okay, Councillor Ford and then Deputy. Just, uh, I looked into this a little bit myself and uh, just for uh, Council's information, there currently are two public chargers in town. To my understanding, one is at uh, Peter Report and the other one is at uh, the current old PV Mart location. However, they don't have a cord for that one. And probably, probably that. But uh, after speaking uh, with the 
with an individual up at uh, up at Friesen Brothers. Um, my understanding is, being that the old PB Mark has one, that there will be a new one installed in the, at the new PB Mark building on the West Hill. That was a bit of supposition, though. Like, not a hundred percent sure, but pretty sure. Also, a, a, we'll call it a rumor, uh, maybe a potentially more substantial rumor, but we'll see. Yeah, and I've heard the same. Not that we can operate on rumors and innuendo here at council. Um, do we, can we apply for the grant and not use it even if we're successful? Or like, are you kind of locked in? So what I'm saying is, is can we follow both tracks at the same time? I guess, director, if that's possible. Um, I can follow up on that one. What we should do is we can't do for the, the, the grant. We don't get reimbursed until actually we spend the money. So we have to spend all the money and submit that into, uh, um, the, the, the province uh, for the refund. So, however, um, they go by a first come first serve. And if we do 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 this, and then takes, you know, maybe we don't make a decision a year down the line, there's another opportunity someplace else that could have lost out on it. So it's kind of a moral ethical kind of thing. If you don't think you want to go this route, then I would say uh, and then what I mean, the route, the route of um, actually applying for the grant, if you don't think you want to do that, then let's not do it, I would say. If you think you do want to do this, going through it, which again, um, see there's some other issues that need to be concerned with, the ongoing maintenance, uh, people looking for comfort, you know, so on and so forth. Kids, one late night, all of a sudden says, hey, this is pretty cool. You know, the next thing you know is, then we have to replace all that stuff, so. Those darn kids. <laughs> this is why we can't have nice things because you guys keep having kids. Um, the other question is: Is there an opportunity for cost recovery on this municipal charger, or are we conditional to us offering this as a 100% free service, power, maintenance, all of that? No, actually, what we can do is that it is it could be full cost recovery and even more if you wanted to. So uh, uh, we get to set the prices if we wish to do so. So, um, and, but then of course, you know, you want to really, maybe do calculate, you know, but yeah, it, it is a full cost recovery type program. I'd, I'd like somebody to contact PB Mart and figure out if the new store is really going to have uh, an EV charger, because if it is, then maybe some of our discussion would be moot. I'll make that inquiry again. So you're going to have to go directly to PB Mart, not to any intermediary. Yeah, I'll talk with one of the developers. I, one of the when when this first came up, one of the first thoughts I had was, I'm not really comfortable time with the municipality competing with the private enterprise. Um, I don't sometimes have a problem with working with the private enterprise to achieve something that we want to achieve. So I think that the potential of going through a partner, um, it's, it's the old thing, once they've committed, they don't really can say, we, if we, once we've committed, we accept to some grants that are not available to us because we already said we were going to do it. But there might be opportunities to, to take that $40,000 and work with some existing people who might be considering it. And I'm, I'm more comfortable with that than putting in the infrastructure that's going to end up 
for the next 20 years to be confused. Because part of the rationale at the beginning of this was there aren't any, there is no place here in Peace River to fill up and light the car and be going north. There wasn't enough to complete the trip. At least that was my understanding. So they were looking at putting one here so that there would be a place in town where you could get it, other than your own house. Because there are people that have electric vehicles that are charging their own homes, but there wasn't any commercial stuff. So I, I kind of don't mind that idea. And I don't mind the idea of maybe earmarking some of that fund for assisting a business that might put it, especially in a place that we might find. Uh, just to throw out something, if there was a place downtown, for example, that said, well, I'm kind of iffy about it, but I'd like to put one in the downtown core, you can use it as part of the downtown redevelopment. That's just an idea. I'm not married to it. To be honest, well, still, I don't care. But th there's some ideas here that are worth considering. It is timely, though, in terms of making sure that we we have one of some sort, some place, because it's part of the, well, it's a tourism route kind of thing. And it is, as you say, a few more people are getting electric vehicles, not necessarily residents, but passing through that might also spend a few extra dollars if they had to wait for their vehicle to charge up. But, um, okay, so with respect to the, um, e e this e EV charger, thing, uh, what are we saying to administration? Are, are we saying uh, direct administration to uh, go to the new uh, PD Mart or anything else that comes up and say directly, are you planning on a charger? And if they say, well, not maybe, then do you kick in, well, maybe we would help the culture with deputy. My concern would be if there's a private individual looking to put in a charger already, we might just end up handing over 20k that we didn't need to hand over to achieve a goal that was going to already be achieved. Um, so, and uh, yeah, so I, 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 I'm with you on this one, all except for that. And so, in that, in, in my mind, I would continue down the um, given that we can do. We can set our own price, and we can, uh, you know, recover costs on it, um, and, and and it's up to us to, to do that however we, we wish. Uh, I would, for now, choose to go down the track of the grant. Um, now, this is something that we. How do we how do we direct you guys every line on this, or what's the what's oh, your preference? Right now, we we have. We've got uh, a direction to go through the grant. Uh, can I throw another little twist, please? Another little twist is maybe a council could look at this as an option. We continue going down the path of getting the grant. And what we do is we decide we pass it on municipal property. But one of the properties that we have is the old log cabin. And who's on the log cabin? It is Chamber of Commerce. We were to say we will turn the use and the whole operation of this, this charger system over to you, and then instead of giving them their grant each year, because we've given them something that is a value of approximately 240000 we don't have to give them a grant anymore. And they have a sustainable way of making some yearly funding. So that is an option, and it still meets the requirements, and it's not our responsibility. So that is, like, I guess the rules of the grant are maybe something that... And, and, and the more I learn about it, and the more options we have, once we get it, 
the better I think it is. Yeah, and and, and the other advantage too is it gives them some some kind of financial income all the way through, and it is a business community thing anyway. So you're not competing against the businesses; you're actually helping the businesses. It is a thought pattern if council wishes to do so. May I ask you a question here, please? Yes. Um, Chris, did, did, did they not come up and inspect our sites last week? So uh, the, the one individual had to cancel. So um, they're supposed to be coming um, in the future. Um, the, the individual, I can't remember why they had to cancel. Um, okay. So they are, but, but we did talk to um, uh, another uh, individual and he said, just as long as it's on municipal property. And why we were looking at one of the areas is because the three-phase power is uh, right in that parking lot. So I don't even know if three-phase power is going to buy this or, um, and, and that'll be, you know, Director McQuaid's. It's just a thought pattern, it's an idea, it's a possibility, you know. Okay, yeah, I just wondered how it, how, how discussions went last week. Okay, so admin, it looks like at this point to proceed with the EV, unless somebody says something different, EV charger, right? Um, grant. And um, other than that, uh, Mr. Ford is going to check with the powers that be just to confirm whether or not that's another possibility. Yes, I spoke. The information I got was I spoke with uh, Brent Rostad from uh, Friesen Brothers, and he was going to reach out to uh, to his powers to be and uh, to the to people building the building and get back to me. It would be a good plan if we knew this by Thursday because we have a budget workshop. So if you could, unless I'm overstepping in that thought process, no. Unless uh, does. Yeah. Does Director McQuake have uh, contact information for that? I, I do, and I can probably follow quicker on that one. I, I noticed in this um, budget report that um, EV charger was grant dependent, as was the trail system plan uh, grant dependent. So, does someone want to speak to the trail system plan? Sure. Um, we are applying for a federal grant for that particular project. And it's focused uh, specifically on the west side of Peace River. It's one of our more challenging areas with lots of gaps in the pedestrian network. So the great thing about this particular grant, it's what, if we receive funding for the planning phase, it opens up the capital component of that grant opportunity. So the grant has been submitted as of I want to say Wednesday or Thursday last week, a federal grant. And when might you know that? We don't know yet. Okay. Yeah, good. But if we don't receive the grant, it does limit this project and potentially puts it in peril for, for this upcoming year. Okay. Any questions on those grant ones? Okay, I see in the other color here that the yellow or the kind of light orangey on the paper um, all of those have been moved to 2023 and my quick totaling it's something like $943,000 worth of things or not? Approximately yes, Your Worship. Uh, so yes, those are ones that we looked at you know, as we 
who are capitalists, which are the ones that are not as essential for the, the accomplished so soon that we could shift over into 2023. Uh, some of our projects, uh, as I've mentioned previously, are kind of uh, almost mandatory type projects that are governed that we need to have done by uh, environment parks being the uh, biosolids handling facility is one of those. Does anyone, uh, any councillors have questions on the, the ones that are moved to 2023? Anyone, do you think that, nope, they must, must be done in 2022. Okay. I see the fire hydrants done in 2022, but I can't see if they are or not. Yes, they are. There's a are. hydrant replacement program 2022 to the tune of 150,000 and I believe in the 2024 budget there's a also another fire hydrant uh, allocation there of about that about that your worship and what we did was uh, for the next couple of years we decided to put that into the five-year capital plan so every year we have uh, a placeholder for that hydrant replacement uh, the bay techs basically those are um, kind of things that have to be done or we're leading to further uh, issues really aren't we definitely with the descaling it's it's a maintenance yeah <clears throat> yeah and if the air conditioner comes on only at 40 above it does something to it'd be nice if it would work especially with the games and in yes. the wall yeah in June yeah. Okay, uh, Councillor Carr, do you have any further questions on this list or other suggestions? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Thank you. Councillor Good? Um, no, not at the moment. Okay, Councillor Boychuk? I'm in right now. Deputy Mayor? <laughs> Councillor Ford? All good. Councillor Shannon? Okay, so what does this say to the administration? <laughs> so the one other point I wanted to just uh, let council know, uh, we have uh, put up the tender for the neighborhood infrastructure renewal project. We have not awarded it. And similar to the uh, biosolids handling facility, that one there was tendered, but we have not awarded it. Uh, we have spoken to both contractors, so holding their prices till mid-April to facilitate the council being able to decide on these, these two projects. But uh, those are there just to uh, do the nature. If we want to get them done in, uh, this year, we need to kind of take that step, tender them up, get them ready. And so that way, after we award them, we're ready to go in about three to four weeks time. So the tenders have been looked at or not as yet? Uh, we've evaluated the tenders okay. with the, the consultant. And so we do have uh, a recommendation for award, but we have not awarded that to the contractor. The one thing we have done is gone to each of the, the contractors and to ensure that they will keep their pricing for the next three years. Okay, questions? Is there something you need from us today that make or could get from us today that would make you able to move ahead on this? Because it's quite an important project. Uh, if, you, if you wanted to, uh, 
say or, or I would do if you want to approve the following projects as capital projects for 2022 and that would be the um, neighborhood renewal for um, a total price tag of what is that 2.365 million and then a separate motion for the other one yeah. um, that would really assist the administration right now because then we we're not playing around with times at all. Otherwise, we're we're getting close. We probably have to call the special council meeting. Yeah. Well, my issue is 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 like in order for everyone to get their proper subcontractors on it, all these jobs are getting booked all summer long. And if we wait any longer to give you guys go ahead on this project, that potentially bumps us off by months, and we run out of time at the end because we go in last, and then we get last. Yeah. And our contractors would definitely appreciate a quick decision on that. I wasn't going to push you tonight on it. But if you're willing to make that decision tonight, I, I would appreciate it. I would make that motion. So, that's crazy. Just, just ready to go. Right? Just hold on. Right. <laughs> so, so for new councillors, um, if we approve a budget, then it becomes up to administration to follow that budget. And so if we approve these budget items, we're saying to administration, go forth and spend as the budget uh, said that you would. Just, right. And you can approve it just for those two projects yeah. right now and then defer the rest of the budget to uh, the budget discussions on Thursday. But if you wanted to, you could uh, approve those two projects today and, but, and then we would be able to run yeah. with those uh, budgets that are stated there. Okay, so as Deputy Scammerhorn, Mayor Scammerhorn says, there's kind of a timing issue, but waiting for two weeks, council is going to do what what would council do within those two weeks that would change what well, we look at? If not not much in regards to this, it would just you would consider the budget as a whole, both the operating and capital. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you are comfortable with moving ahead with those two projects, you know, I would welcome that. Yeah. So the uh, neighborhood renewal is for three million three hundred sixty-five thousand five hundred. And if we have a motion tonight saying go forth with that, it means that um, we're comfortable that no matter what happens with the rest of the budget, that is going forward, is what we what we would be saying. Um, so, so Deputy, yeah. I would point out with those two projects, uh, draw your, especially for the neighborhood renewal, I would draw your attention that, you know, we are making substantial investment uh, using MSI funds and for the federal gas tax fund to offset uh, the total funding required for under the municipality. So uh, the neighborhood infrastructure renewal project, uh, so that one there, you know, the town is ponying up 693,000 there and the 1.9 in MSI and 750 in gas tax. So yeah, when the neighborhood improvement uh, program was first set up, it was based on um, uh, monies coming from one mill of the uh, residential tax and then uh, other portions from, as Mr. McQuaid has said, the MSI and the gas tax. So that's why those are critical to that um, particular program. And it's also one way of uh, basically forcing us as a council to keep renewing uh, infrastructure. Councilor Good. Just, just for clarification, just for clarification, what are the two projects here for 
the uh, biosol handling facility remediation project, and that was the one that were mandated by Environment and Parks to, to get done this year. We yeah. have to have that done by the end of this year. And then the neighborhood renewal project for okay. 2022. Thank you very much. So, Deputy Mayor, uh, do you want to put forth one motion? Yes. Um, I'll move that uh, Council approve funding for the neighborhood infrastructure renewal. Um, for the year of 2022 on 94th Avenue, as well as the biosols handling. We will do these separately. And you may want to just include into your motion the uh, budget amount. Okay. I'll start over. Uh, and with the move uh, for Council to approve the neighborhood infrastructure renewal project for 2022 for 94th Avenue uh, at 3.365. $3,365,500. Okay, are there any uh, questions? Councillor Carr? No, no, not not on those, no, that's good, thank you. Councillor Shannon? No. no. Councillor Wojciech? Okay. Good. Councillor Ford? No. Councillor Good? I'm fine. Deputy Mayor, you made a motion, so I'm assuming. <laughs> okay, we're ready to vote on the motion. I do have one question, if I may. Yes. How many? How many? How many uh, bids did you have? How many? How many bids or contractors bid on that work for the biosolids? Uh, uh, we ended up with two viable contractors on that one. Only two, eh? Wow. That's okay. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. So the motion from Deputy uh, Mayor Scammerhorn is that um, the neighborhood renewal of 2022, the 94th Avenue project to 3,365,500 uh, proceed. And all those in favor? Aye. It is carried unanimously. Someone else cared to talk, or whoever, um, about the biosolids handling facility remediation, which by the way, looks like it has to be fully funded by long-term debt. And our previous discussion tonight, if we have this in three or so years, supposedly that would be fully funded somehow. A motion. Okay. I'll move that uh, we approve the biosolids handling facility remediation for 2022 at a amount of $1,066,312. Thank you. Any dis further discussion, councillors? Okay, then let's vote on this motion. All those in favor of the biosolids motion. Great. Thank you. It is carried. No <laughs> jokes about moving biosolids. Good job. Um, we won't go there. <laughs> Looking at other comment or other items on this uh, agenda for 2022. <laughs> Anything else that council feels should be eliminated or gee whiz, we forgot something here. Add it in. So this is, a, this is just a question. The perennial subject of bottles. That's not in the capital budget. No, that, those are operational costs. Thank you. Okay. So the, the some of the things that we do look at with the pavement overlay project are finally uh, kind of a larger portions, like probably this one, if I look at just in front of the theater, that stretch coming up from the bridge, 
Right. And then we, we're also looking in, up by the mill grills is another section we're looking at doing some pavement overrun. Which in fact takes care of the potholes at the same time, right? Yeah. So it's there that, you know, it's gotten to the point in those areas that yeah. the potholes have gotten so bad, you now have to start rebuilding your, your base structures. Yeah. Thank you. It, is there something happening by the saw ridge where that cement part is and now just beyond the cement? Uh, we will be doing work for uh, sidewalk curb and gutter uh, uh, beside the new PD mark, going around that perimeter there. So it'll be a new sidewalk and that was, that's shown on our uh, project sheet here. That one there is fully funded by uh, the costs that were provided by the developer as part of the development agreement for this. So that 80 grand there has already been paid. So that's going to fund that. So yeah, my question was by, between Boston Pizza and the Saw Ridge, you know, the traffic circle, yeah. there's that cement part that was put down a few years ago. And so now just on our side of the cement, it's getting quite potholy. Is that so those are the things we would just do under all operational. So that's a pothole fix. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Um, Councillors, any further question? Admin? I do have one. The heavy equipment replacement 2022, is that just for, is there a particular season? Yes. So that, so that one there is uh, what we're doing is moving through uh, a lease program for heavy equipment similar to our light uh, vehicle too. And so this year we were looking at getting into a lease for uh, a new loader uh, and we need one to replace our old loader to that is large enough to handle a snowblower. So which this one would. Uh, we're looking at a new skid steer and a mini excavator. And so all those are would be come under the lease program, which is under the RMA agreement. What would be the estimated cost of those if you went out and said we're trying to buy them today? So for the loader, we're probably looking between three hundred eighty and four hundred twenty thousand. The mini excavator is probably one hundred twenty-five to one hundred fifty thousand, and the skid steer probably around seventy-five thousand. So five, a little over five hundred thousand, give or take, and they are leased for how long? So we would typically lease these probably over a five-year lease, at uh, which time they would be returned back to, uh, in this case, Bennett, uh, if he was under the RMA program. And then we would take uh, whatever capital is left in that, reinvest that into the next lease going forward. Okay, thank you. Any other questions? I do, I do have one question, if I may. Yes. Um, it's, it's more of a request than a question. Is I'm hoping that uh, we can have all those potholes and the curbs and sidewalks painted before the, the, the summer games this year, just to give a first impression to our visitors. Well, that would be desirable, Councillor Carr. Uh, the one thing that we're up against right now is just trying to secure paint. Uh, we're just trying to get uh, a confirmation of our uh, order right now on that. Uh, it's been challenging over the past two years to, to get paint and we've been trying to beg for and steal from uh, various municipalities or from Alberta Transportation, whatever, whoever's got leftover paint to be trying to secure it. Uh, so we will try our best. Do you do things like the downtown area first 
and then, I don't know. Uh, yeah, typically we would, we're going to start on our priority routes, uh, and then part of that would be downtown, uh, and then looking at uh, various other uh, primary routes. And then the other part that normally gets done side by side by that is uh, yellow curve pavement on the no parking zones and trying to refresh those. Yeah, I'm just thinking of Councillor Carr's point, um, like the downtown is a major area, and so it would be one of the priorities, and that's where. So, yeah, with Main Street, the, the line painting on Main Street is done by Alberta Transportation, and then we do the parking stalls. So, yeah. Councillor Carr, what you're not seeing is Director Bell's face at your suggestion, and uh, <laughs> and you have made her a happy lady. <laughs> That's important. That's Thanks. Important. Thank um, you. <laughs> could, could we put a buggy transportation here? Could we do their crosswalks a little earlier than usual you know, because of the summer games? Well, I could have that conversation. Uh, CAO Parker and myself are having lunch uh, with transportation next week, and we can probably talk about that. Thank you. Um, I have one question. Um, in our briefing notes, we had charts for 23 through 25. It would be nice to have a chart like this for 2022, just because it's nice, clean, condensed, and you got it on one little half page. Yeah, I can put one. Yeah, that would be, in my opinion, crazy. Um, yeah, any further comments? Admin, anything further you want to bring forward? No, uh, the only thing I'd like to kind of reflect on, too, is, you know, where we could, we tried to use provincial and federal funding for most of our projects to offset the, the burden on uh, the taxpayer this year. And that taxpayer really appreciates it, even if they don't know about it. <laughs> thank you. Well, thank, thank you for all your uh, detailed work here and uh, your patience in answering my questions, at least. It's been very helpful. So, uh, Council, on Thursday, we do have a budget um, workshop where we'll be having another go at certain elements of the budget, including both operating and capital, I think, right? Anything and everything. So, looking forward to that. Can I, can I make one more comment here on, on the budget here, something that's on here? Um, the, the downtown sidewalk repair where they say they're going to replace that uh, replace the brickwork with stamped concrete just just a note in this personal experience stamped concrete is extremely slippery just just you yeah. know and that's uh, it looks beautiful yeah. but it is deadly yeah and you can get uh with stamped concrete you can get uh, a lot of different texturing uh, to kind of roughen up that surface to make it uh, a lot less slippery. So that'll be part of our considerations when we look at that. Okay. But it's de definitely a lot uh, less maintenance intensive than the brickwork right now. Oh yes, oh yes. Yeah. My driveway is got concrete and uh, it's deadly. Yes. That's how I know. <laughs> okay, thank you. So, I think we're on to our next uh, topic here, which is um, sort of a good one and sort of, well, what does it mean? 
It's the briefing note with respect to the GST audit appeal, and Mrs. McQuaid, I think you're going to um, brief us. Thank you, sir. You can get out of Zoom. Council will just bear with me. I'm just going to uh, do it at normal speed. Do it at normal speed. Is this my normal speed? No details necessary. Cool. You too. Council, this is being recorded. <laughs> So, uh, Council, we have good news and we have some, we're not quite sure what it is news. After 35 months, we have, uh, we were successful in our appeal of the $609,571.41 assessed against us for our GST. The majority of this was for transfers related to the Baytex, which were worth it, I, I guess. Just continue. <laughs> uh, this was a project that had many moving parts. There is a detailed timeline attached. One of our primary concerns was that the auditor appeared to reinterpret how the agreement was to be worded, meaning that language that had been acceptable one year was no longer acceptable on the second audit, which threw into question the where's our go forward? What actually is going to be interpreted as requiring GST and what is actually not going to be interpreting GST? And at the time this happened, ICFs were rolling out and nobody knew how to go forward. As recently as late last year, I got an inquiry from Olds, I think, on what language can we put into our ICFs to prevent triggering the GST. We took this to Alberta municipalities and got resounding support from the membership, same as RMA, and we succeeded in getting it uh, on the lobby list for FCM as well as filing three separate appeals. Not the first, but three, four separate appeals. Question now is next steps. We still don't have a lot of clarity. If we look back at the various submissions, the first two letters were very explicit. They were assessing GST on the right to access municipal facilities. In tax terms, they call this a supply. In other words, we gave somebody something for which we were compensated. In spite of us showing them, here's our fee schedule, here's the agreement, we're not actually supplying anything. Our appeal was denied. Later, once it went up the chain to CRA itself, they focused on, well, then what is that money actually used for? And then we had to demonstrate through check stubs, bank statements, 
invoices, minutes from other councils, briefing reports, what the actual intent of the funding was. So they sort of started penalizing us for one thing, and then they kind of shifted and said, well, I, don't, I got the sense that they'd said, all right, you got you on this one, but we want to actually see what you use the money for. A large measure of our success for the final submission goes to our AP uh, clerk, Lori Keaty, who through her fantastic record keeping was able to go into the system and pull out and scan and get photos of literal check stubs and invoices and documents that we use to support our case. We have reported these findings to Alberta municipalities and they're working in collaboration with RMA. We've given them all of the information that CRA gave us, which is essentially the letter that you see there. And again, it doesn't give a lot of clarity. We have realistically, there's not that many options for municipalities if we want to avoid this in the future. We could put in the same agree the same language that is specific to the agreement that, for example, RICS, we provide funding to the St. Isidore Library. I don't know whether the St. Isidore Library has a differential fee schedule between their residents and other residents. But Presumably, we would have to demonstrate that there is no fee deferential, otherwise it would be a taxable benefit. And the same ICFs are relatively straightforward because it's literally a list of funding sources. Other agreements are much more problematic. We could try to assess GST on everything, but then we're put into the reverse situation where an auditor comes in and says, yeah, you shouldn't have done that, now give it all back. When in the last audit they said, you know, you really shouldn't be, you know, collecting GST on fire permits. So fortunately they said it's not feasible to refund them, but they could do that if it was an ICF or a more significant agreement or amount. So Yes, it's good news. Our auditors are, that do our year-end financials have seen this. They've given us direction on how to proceed with next steps on this. So we'll be talking to our municipal partners. But 35 months and $11,000. And yes, we knew that we were doing it right the first time, but it's still up to the individual auditor at this point. Hey, Councilor Good. Part of it going back to original discussions was one of the things was you're paying for access to whatever. And the, the argument was they already have access to whatever. Um, and part of the difficulty is it seems like the, the, the feds being very serious are trying to interject themselves to a degree into monitoring and taking a look at transfer of funds between municipalities. So it's, if X municipality gives us X amount of dollars as part of a part of an agreement, 
are they getting, what services are they getting for that? Well, the minute there's a service for that, well, then it's now, you're going to make the argument that, so now they're going to sit there and have all these questions going into it when strictly, I mean, this is where the nightmare scenario comes up is how much the, the federal government is going to inject itself into the wording of these agreements of how the transfers between municipalities come. Uh, they're going to be looking for, like, I mean, I, I don't blame them. Hey, the governments, they want to get, cat, get a chunk of cash going through the transaction. But I mean, that's really what it amounts to, and I don't think I'm misstating the case here, because it throws into a question anytime you come up with an agreement, how do we word it? They already have access. They're not paying for anything. You know, but if they give you some money, why are they giving it to you if they're not getting anything from it? You invent, we want to see all the receipts. We want to see what you spend the money on. I mean, this is, well, to be honest, I'll phrase it with strange terms, crap. And this doesn't make sense. Other than for a chunk, other than if somebody wants a chunk of the money, they're not doing any work. Well, and the irony is that because these are intermunicipal transfers, they're all tax neutral. So we assess a tax on our partners, they pay it, we remit it, and then they pay, then they record the input tax credit it and, it, and it balances out. So, so go, go forward, are we going to GST everything on these kinds of agreements? Like I would not, I can talk to our auditors. Uh, I would not necessarily recommend that because they could turn around and say, you collected this GST incorrectly, now you have to refund it, and that's a that's a hit. The best option would be to go in every agreement and for every portion, for example, aside from the library, what other ICF operating agreements do we have with our partners, for example? Off the top of my head. That we're paying? Well, yes. We we have been charging GST. So it become it as stated earlier, it's, it's a bit of a wash. It is a wash. But the auditor could come back and go, no, this was not a supply of service and require us to retire. But it's it. a bunch of unnecessary bookkeeping. Administration time to accomplish the transfer of sweet nothing. Well, it's easy charging GST. It's not that difficult. Okay, well, um, a lot of work went into this. Uh, thank you and the rest of the staff for that. And I guess at least we got an answer on the initial 600 some odd thousand so that was basically in and out we're no further ahead or behind other than uh, major time and stuff yeah we're, we're no further ahead it was you know 35 months almost to the day between the first letter and when we got the uh the response we could look at putting very specific language in the agreements stating that there is no right of access granted there is no supply granted this is specifically for a public purpose and have that, you know, transfer of funds per this agreement uh, reflected on the invoice so that when they want to, want to see the invoices, we can demonstrate that this was the purpose of the funds. Sounds like that's the way forward, unfortunately. Okay, councillors, any further questions on this? Well, thank you very much, Mrs. McQuaig and Please thank the staff that uh, got all this together as well. And like you said, it took almost, what, three years, you said? So that's a lot of staff time. Or question mark.
question. It was a moral victory, though. It was there a, we are. It was a tremendous moral victory. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> okay. Um, I think we're now on reports, and we have the North Peace Housing Foundation board synopsis for March second, twenty twenty-two. Deputy Mayor, you're the rep. Uh, any? Uh, so probably the biggest news out of there, which I don't believe will be reflected in the synopsis, is that we are COVID-free uh, once again as an organization. So that was good news. There's a few intense weeks there while we did have cases go through some of our facilities. Um, but, but all told, North Peace Housing has fared through the last two years extremely well. Um, the other big news is with the um, with the removal of, of restrictions and, and that kind of thing so we were kind of pinned down to this uh, the legalities and the and the um, the liability around requiring uh, a vaccination policy with the re with the removal of restriction that <laughs> interestingly enough in one day the uh, the liability reversed itself and it would have been in more legal jeopardy to vote for something we worked on developing than not to to, to, to not do it. So it was kind of a, a funny little turnaround there in, in uh, inside a very short period of time. So um, that's that's how that you know particular thing turned out. Uh, the other big thing for the uh, foundation, of course, is the, uh, the the redevelopment at the Delaware Lodge in Manning. So that's that's progressing and uh, and, and very well. Uh, the biggest thing for Peach River is um, the uh, HVAC system at Heritage Tower, so that that's going to also be be proceeding. So uh, hopefully we don't encounter another gigantic heat wave like we had last summer. But once that uh, upgrade is finished, the uh, we'd be much well, much more well suited to to endure that. Great. Any questions on? The synopsis would somebody like to move the acceptance of the report for information councillor shannon thank you all those in favor aye thank you it is carried so madam may i call an audible, <laughs> an audible? Uh, it's about the meeting with the minister that councillor shannon and i went on i meant to include it on this agenda and i did not hmm well, oh, we can always do it at the GMP. Maybe the GMP. Sounds good. Okay. Okay, the next item is information item. And um, maybe, um, Megan, you want to speak to this? Sure. Pulling it up. Yeah, or you can take a picture because your camera's in. There's also. Oh, okay. So, uh, we received <laughs> so we received a new project from a grade two class in Surrey. Uh, it was a flat standing project and they were studying governing bodies and they were asking how Peace River and its council makes decisions and they wanted to see the parts of our town and the results of council decisions. So I got to work with uh, Madam Mayor on that, and I got to take pictures with the flat Stanleys that they sent, and 
got to showcase our lovely town and they in response sent us a little thank you note which is actually included uh, within the agenda for tonight. So you guys can read it there. Um, but I, I can read it aloud anyway. <laughs> so they said, Dear Her Worship Elaine Manzer, thank you for keeping the world safe and for making good rules. Thank you for keeping Peace River safe. Thank you for taking pictures with our flat Stanleys. And they also provided a embroidered tea towel. So yeah, just a lovely little thank you that we wanted to include. Are you sure it's not a cake? <laughs> for the Plus families? For, for, Keeping for the world safe. Oh, maybe, yeah. <laughs> Little did they realize the power. <laughs> I'd like to flash them. Um, it was, you know, like paper doll cutouts, how they used to have, buy, well, this is an age yeah. thing. You used to buy them, and then you would uh, put paper dresses on them and stuff. Yep. So it was little flat people like this that they sent two of them. And so we took a picture with flat people oh, in here and flat people uh, overlooking the town. Megan organized and a few other things. She's got, she can send That's maybe. Cool. Very good job. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, it was nice, nice little uplifting thing and quite kind of fun. Flat families. I didn't know this until today. I never thought you guys were it was started off as an educational program and these flat Stanleys have been all around the world. If people take the picture of the flat Stanleys in downtown Uganda and flat Stanleys all over and these flat Stanleys go all over the place. It's so it's fantastic. Well, I have to look that up. Yeah. So it's like the travelocity of flat Stanleys for a while that it just they were they were flat. Anyways, it was kind of fun. Yeah. You know, just out of the blue, here's this little letter from a grade two class. So it was kind of neat. And it's kind of interesting that they found Peace River somehow on the map. But we're not even in BC, we're in Alberta. And that they, and their teacher took the time to write. Yeah, so thank you. I'd be happy to forward on the letter as yeah. well, just for all you all to see. Yeah, yeah. Someone would move the acceptance of the information item or information. <laughs> Councillor Ford, thank you. All those in favor? Aye. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Madam Mayor, going back, did you want a motion to accept for information on the GST? That would be lovely. Uh, would someone care to make a motion on the reading note for GST audit appeal for information? Councillor Good? So moved. All those in favor? Aye. Thank you. Okay. Um, any notices of motion? There are none, Your Worship. Okay, thank you. Comments from the public? We've got somebody in the public. Um, are, Mr. Sissons, are you here for comments from the public on items in the meeting or something else, or what's your thought? My comment is I'm sad there's not more people here. Mm -hmm. And that's Sir, would you like to come use the mic oh, if you're addressing? Okay. I'm just here to give some support and to watch and say, so I can understand a little bit more about what goes on. And uh, I didn't get elected, but I still represent 15% of the people around here. And I said I'd get involved. So it's just part of gonna show, I'm gonna show up more often and to try and lend some support to everybody and be a little bit more involved as I, as I promised I would do as one of my failed election campaign promises. 
Well, thank you very much. And uh, by all means, um, the more we have involved in uh, town politics or democratic system, the better it is. We see other places in the world where democracy is kind of being very much challenged these days. So, yes. So thank you. Um, key information or key uh, communication items, Ms. Bouchard. Um, so I propose, Your Worship, that we communicate the bylaw. Could you use the mic there, Megan? I'll sure. sure. So I propose we communicate the bylaw um, as per our advertising bylaw, so giving proper notice uh, for feedback, um, as well as all the new business items and the report. Okay, sounds good. Counselors, anything further to add to your list? Well, thank you very much and good work with that. <laughs> thank you. Okay, uh, we're now at the closed session portion of our meeting. And I'm going to suggest that perhaps we have a five minute break to stand up, etc. And somebody will then come back and move us into closed session for the rest of the meeting. Okay, so five minutes takes us to about 28 after. Thank you.